That reminds me of your mom telling me the story about uh, when she got you uh, MacGyver's autograph. Autograph. Yeah. And you know she's like, oh yeah, my son loves your show, and he's like, oh how old's your son? And Richard Dean Anderson, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Richard Dean Anderson, yeah. Asked your mom, like, oh, yeah, how old's your son? And she's like, he's seven. And apparently that was that kind surprising. Of, kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson was like, your seven-year-old son loves MacGyver? And she's like, he does. And guess what? I did. <laughs> he was the coolest dude. Mm-hmm. He had an amazing hair, like, feathered, like, pseudo-mullet of the era late 80s, early 90s, and he could solve every single problem, no matter how complicated, with, like, a paperclip, a rubber band, some gum. Like, the dude was amazing. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. I did not become that. My, uh, hair, my hair is not that good, but I am good at solving problems with garbage. I think you have pretty impressive hair, and, yeah, you do a lot of fixing things around the house in very unexpected ways. Yeah, which... I'm a problem solver. Yeah. Uh, I am going to, in our social media, if I don't cut this out, do a face swap of me on my face on MacGyver's body. <laughs> Absolutely do that. It's going to be good. Yeah. Might be my Halloween costume next year. Sure. Do <laughs> Your face on MacGyver's body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what every Halloween costume is. Every Halloween costume is your face on someone else's body. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad point. Hello, most excellent humans. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to shut up. You should do the intro. <laughs> it's good. Welcome to another excellent episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I am your host, Allison Aliakoulis, and with me as always... Your most not, not, not heinous co-host, Hunter M. Bush Esquire. Yeah. And, uh, and we are Hate Watch, Great Watch. I was entirely sure where you were going with that, but I think Excellent. I kept up. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> hello, Excellent Gabby. Welcome, hello, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back on this most excellent of all days. <laughs> this is. Um, today we're doing uh, Bill and Ted 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah, um, it's the first time I think that we've done a sequel before of yeah. a movie um Do, wait have we done franchise stuff we we've, did scream we've done we've done screen we've done a couple of things that had sequels um and we have done uh a reboot before covering the original when we did suspiria, suspiria. yeah okay yep yeah fair yeah i i don't know i don't have anything there's there's not like any specific rule in my head like oh we should always do the first one first or anything i don't think it matters i listen to a lot of movie podcasts and i'm never mad if they're like oh we're doing halloween four and i'm like you didn't do the first three like i don't care because like (laughs) it doesn't change that the movie exists and what happens in it and that's kind of all they're gonna be talking about plus i feel like we're going to talk about all three of the movies a little bit. Oh yeah, this has this been is, a week of yeah. Bill and Ted. We've rewatched. Yeah, we well, have. We have. Re-watched. I had, as well. I hadn't yeah. seen the second one, but I had seen the first one multiple times. Yeah. Um, so, also, it's time travely. Yeah. So it's like we time travel to the third one. Yeah, and, and it's, then maybe we'll cover the first or second one. 
and by its very nature, the movie is referential in a way that isn't, it's not obnoxious. I thought all the, like, elbow nudgy, like, references were well-placed oh, yeah. um, and really worked. They didn't feel, like, mm-hmm. you know, egregious. A, yeah. a lot of stuff that's ref- self-referential is, like, you get it, right? Yeah. Um, and the smart things, if you hadn't seen the other ones, you wouldn't know there was a reference there. I think I've talked about this before. Like, sometimes you're watching something and you're like, well, I don't know what that is, but it has the cadence of a reference. Yeah. Like, I get the feeling from how long the shot is or whatever that they're telling me this is an important thing Mm -hmm. and it's just nothing. You gotta be subtle, like Stiltman's legs, which is a thing that Hunter noticed in Flash or something. Nope, Stiltman is a Daredevil villain. Okay. Oh, was it Daredevil? Yep, they are different uh, comic book companies entirely. Well, he got mad because I laughed because we were watching Daredevil. And it panned across Stiltman's legs. And Hunter goes, holy shit, Stiltman's legs. And I just started laughing. And he's like, are you making fun of me? And I'm like, no, just I'm not familiar with Stiltman. And for you to be that excited about Stiltman's legs was silly. <laughs> I'm a big dork. Yeah. And, and I love like grade C and below comic book characters, especially the villains. Villains are always kind of more fun because... They don't. You don't have to look at them every week. Yeah. Um. So when you know when somebody's creating a hero, they always make it somebody that you kind of want to interact with, and like they don't look really silly. Mm-hmm. They usually look pretty. You know, like the a big exception I think would be like this. The tick is kind of like silly, inherently like, and yeah. also he looks silly. He's big, top heavy. He's got you know da like dweedo. But like, <laughs> so the villains only pop up. You know. Once an issue every so often, and they can be kind of goofier, and I always like that. Um, it, they can be a much thinner idea because you're like, yeah. oh, I don't have to milk this premise for months, you like know. Like Rainbow Raider, gotcha. Yes, Rainbow Raider. Yep. Um, but put yeah, on, still put man. Put on the, uh, the Tweeties and the Instas. Put, put Ra- Rainbow, Rainbow Raider, Raider on the... No, yeah. I will. I have a... I, I will. Yeah. Um, Stiltman was a guy who, yeah, invented, like, r- telescoping, like, robotic legs that allowed him to rob, like, buildings from, like, higher up floors, and it's the stupidest idea ever, yeah. and I love it. Like Dr. Octopus, but less well thought out. Yeah, I mean, kind of, <laughs> yeah, but, like... Yeah. Yeah, less, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he... Useful. Well, no, I mean, yeah. but he's... Cool. He, he's reaching for lower fruit, kind of, you know, despite the telescoping legs. Facious any of these <laughs> you know dr octopus is like i'll have multiple telescoping limbs so i can do a lot at once and he's just like i want to be taller <laughs> it's a lot I shot collar um, <laughs> he wishes he had a girl in the hood he would call her <laughs> so gabby i feel like you were trying to interject there i'm sorry and then we yeah. went off on stilt man's legs for too long i yeah it's all right stilt man's legs were important <laughs> gotta um Okay, so we'll start with Gabby. Gabby, what is your uh, history with Bill and Ted? Uh, well, I know that I talk about this often at work. I have cousins that are in, like, the age range should be watching this film. So I started watching this around seven and got introduced to it. It was a common pop culture thing in the household. I we always wild stallion at each other <laughs> all the time. So it's a good time. Um, I've never seen Bogus Journey either until this week, um, which I think was a fun film, but I enjoy the fact that they kind of rounded back in the third one and it kind of made a lot more sense because I was a little lost at the end of the second one. Didn't hate it, but maybe wouldn't watch it as much as the first one. But the first one's got a place in my heart. Sure. Yeah. Allison? 
I mean, I don't remember when I first saw Bill and Ted. It wasn't like it was a particularly, like, meaningful or referenced film for me, but it was something that I saw, I think, kind of around the same time that I saw um, Wayne's World. Oh, sure. Wayne's World. Uh, Wayne and Garth. Yeah. Bill and Ted. Um, And they're, yeah, they have, like, some similarities. It's a lot of, like, music-driven and, like, you know, Gen X kids and stuff. Sure. Um, For sure. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of an East Coast, West Coast divide, though. Like, Wayne's World kind of feel... Well, they're supposed to be middle America. Sh- but Chicago, but it definitely yeah. has a... It's cold there, yeah. so... Yeah. They're a little bit more cynical. Right. I feel like it <laughs> skews more New York If you've never experienced LA. winter, yeah. then yeah. you can be as positive as Bill and Ted. But if you've experienced a really bad winter, you get a little bit cynical. Welcome to the East Coast. Winter is soul-crushing. Oh, yeah, good... <laughs> winter will do that to you um oh so, my yeah. god these little depressions yep. <laughs> yeah and so i mean like i i'd seen bill and ted a couple of times over the years um you know the first one the the excellent adventure yeah uh yeah i hadn't seen bogus journey until this week uh i liked it a lot because it's weird and then um <laughs> hunter i as usual watched some of the extra material on the um face the music, face the music yeah. and hearing some of the writers talk about that they had a, the first movie. It was fairly successful. So then they were like, oh yeah, sequel. They should, what was the, the conceit that the studio gave them? So they, um, again, according to the writers, uh, when they were originally approached by the studio to make a sequel to Bill and Ted, they were like, oh, they should be doing an English paper. Yes. And then they have to travel again through time, but they meet up with famous authors like Shakespeare yeah. and Dickens or whoever. And they were you know, kind of like, eh, we They're don't like, really feel like same doing thing. that. It's the same thing. It's so the same how thing. About- and also, I think, they didn't say this, but I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh, yeah. And also, I feel like a lot of those writers are kind of samey. Yeah. You know, like in, in Excellent Adventure, you get Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, you know, uh, is it Beethoven, yeah. Yeah. right? And, you know, like it's it's a yeah. wide, Napoleon, You get it's a wide variety of characters, uh, right. Lincoln and, you know, all these things. And they're very different. A, they look different and they behave totally differently. Whereas right. even though yeah. Dickens and Shakespeare are from, you know, different eras, they're both English authors, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like they'll, they'll be kind of samey. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who else they would have gotten. I don't know what other authors, like, maybe they would have gotten, like, Mary Shelley and, you know, other interesting things. I mean, but at again, the same time, I feel but... like a lot of it's going to be very Eurocentric to right. appear, appeal to American audiences. Um, right, because it's who course, we are taught you know. in high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, you would maybe go as far as getting, like, Homer. But Simpson. that's... No, of uh, the Odyssey and the Iliad. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, like, there's things like the earliest novel that we know of was written by an asian author sure um but i don't remember who it was or even if it was china or japan because this isn't something that we value as a society which is dumb yeah yeah we're not yeah. taught this no i know it's not no. you know it's shoved down our throats in yeah. school which i mean you know it ought yeah. to be books books are important turns yeah. out mm. and then i mean you know name me any african authors like like people from africa not african-american sure it's yeah, going to no. be yeah. kind of tough. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, yeah, I mean, part of that's like, yeah, it's got a very, you know, you know, oral tradition, but also Homer was oral tradition and I know his name. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's all because of it's, 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 that's all mm-hmm. yeah. because of what cultures uh, were absorbed by what cultures yep. and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just boils down to what they actually want to teach you and mm-hmm. so we what could... they think is important 
air mm-hmm. quotations. Yeah, there. we could write a good Bill but, and Ted uh, have to do an English paper one because it would all be about this. Yeah, yeah. Although the thing is, too, like having to do an English paper, we're sort of talking about the history of story and language. Right. It's not like they're writing, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I guess that is what kind is, of. What is? I guess that is kind of what English classes do, though. What is the contrast? Like, what is the opposite thing? Oh, that I feel you're... like it still boils down to history. Well, yeah. Which is. I think yeah. everything does almost. Yeah, yeah, unless that's you're a good point because an English class mm-hmm. is different than a writing class. Yeah, a writing class would yeah. teach the mechanics and the yeah. different styles and types and tricks and things. Yeah, whereas an English class yeah. is teaching you, yeah, famous story and the oral tradition into the written word and yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, so anyway, they decided not to do that, and instead they wanted to do what they were calling Bill and Ted Go to Hell, and apparently that was what, to their recollection, was the shooting title. Yeah, yeah, but... But then when it came time to actually, you know, market and distribute the film, they were like, we can't put hell on a poster. Yeah, yeah, we can't... We won't get certain markets and and kids, which is the, you know, obviously the main audience for Bill and Ted. Yeah. If you put hell on it, you're going to eliminate the, you know, the Christian and, you know, middle American demographic. Yep. Aren't going to want to go see that. They're they're not going to let their kids go see that, so... They call it Bogus Journey, which is good. It is pretty bogus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a proper title. Um, yeah, so in case anybody listening has not... Oh, let me do my history with uh, Bill and Ted. Um, it's pretty similar, I think, to both of yours. I had seen both of them, um, you know, at various points uh, on TV. Had seen Excellent Adventure a lot more, and I liked it more. Um, because, you know, I don't know. I just was always like, eh, Bogus Journey's fine, whatever, whatever. But having not seen either of them in, I don't know, like 10 to 15 years, something like that, um, when we rewatched Excellent Adventure to start with this week i i was like cool and in the back of my head i realized i was like waiting for death to show up and i was like oh no that's that's all bogus journey and i was like oh that's weird i kind of it kind of always feels like death was hanging out like in my head and i was like oh that's weird hmm. and after rewatching them now i i still think i like excellent adventure more because it's more of a consistent tone and i personally like all the bits of it um you know it all holds together for me bogus journey i really super admire because it's a huge swing you know like allison just was explaining they took a goofy legally not stoner time travel movie and they were like oh instead of doing that we'll get incredibly metaphysical yeah and, you Instead know, of them doing an English paper, they're going to die. <laughs> yeah, not only like yeah, they 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 die, which is like you know a big it's a big swing for a a, a light summer comedy. You know, mm-hmm. they die. Yeah, they yeah. meet the Grim Reaper. They parody you know like famous art cinema. They go to hell. They tra- travel through time. They go to heaven. They meet God and space aliens. The grossest fucking thing I've maybe ever seen in, in anything is Station. Station. Station! Uh, um, yeah. They're super gross. I mean, like, they're just weird little gnome looking aliens. But then they, like, run into each other into full it. tilt and become a big globby mess that I said and stand by. I think is grosser than anything David Cronenberg has ever put on film. <laughs> Just because it, it it's so weirdly gross compared to the rest of the tone of the movie. A little bit shunting. It really is. Like it's so gross. I, I, mean, I had had a warning. <laughs> yeah, it's only a second, but it, it is. I was just like, ooh, <laughs> and then they're a giant station, and they're genius Martian, station. you know, station. <laughs> but yeah, they're genious With Martians. An excellent ass. <laughs> oh yeah, 
excellent Martian ass. Mm-hmm. And then they build, you know, they they build robots, they win the battle of the band. Like it's it's really fun and it gets back to feeling like the original Bill and Ted and you know. But a lot of it is like really weird. Yeah, also isn't it Pam Greer in there? Yep, Pam for a second. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not is, listing was, the whole cast, but no, yeah, she's No, but I, but I like, you know, I I was like, is that really and cuz I had a heart they put her on a crazy wig. Um, but no, I felt like she was kind of like a big deal for like a big get for a pretty small part. Um, at the like, time, I don't think she was as big a get. Really? Okay. Yeah, she didn't like. I mean, you know, her her career peak, I think, was all the like exploitation, exploitation yeah. films. Yeah, from like mm-hmm. the seventies into the eighties, maybe. I'm not sure about like release dates, but sure. early eighties mm-hmm. seems plausible. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like she was in stuff. She's in Idle Hands, which we rewatched in Pandemic. Yeah. But I think she was only in Idle Hands because you know Tarantino put her in. Um, Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie Brown. And yeah. like it's the same thing he tried to, you know, the same thing he did with with Travolta where he was like, "Hey, here's somebody I like who doesn't really work right now that well, A is wrong, like he thinks they're a great actor, a great actress, you know, and they should work more, but also they're gettable." Yeah. And he did the same thing for her cuz after that she was in more things, not leading roles all the time, but she did pop up a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think this was, you know, before that. Uh, Bogus Journey I think was before that, but around the same era. I think she's great and she's good in all three of those movies I've just list, listed, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, you know, but, like, the, William Sadler as Death is, like, the best fucking... It's such a great performance. Watching watching Bogus Journey again, I was like, he's always doing something, what I think of as actorly. Um, you know, when he's in a scene, but he's not directly interacting with what is being said or what is happening. He, you can see him in the back, and he's, like, air guitaring on the scythe <laughs> or just doing weird little, like, react- facial reactions, even though they're not talking to him. It's He's like, oh, I'm in the scene. I would hear them saying these things, and I would have these reactions. Dude's so good. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and I was like, dude, he's the best. He's so good in that. Once again, Hunter's watching the background. <laughs> yeah, I like actors, no, I, man. I know. You like um, actors, and you like uh, watching extras look at the camera and shit. I do. <laughs> I notice it. It's like a fucking, it's like a lighthouse. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, why is that woman locking eyes with me? Like, because I am the camera. You know, we are the yeah. camera. I, I, I'm aware of that. It's, it's just unnerving. Like, you have such background vision, the <laughs> likes of which I infrequently see. Thanks? Mm. Yeah, I guess. Know. Uh, it's not. Detail, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, like uh, it's not like a particularly good or particularly bad thing. You definitely notice some stuff that like I don't see because you know something yeah. more interesting was happening in the foreground for me. I tend to, especially with movies where I've seen them and I'm familiar with them, or you know whatever, or you know some movies you just get the rhythm of and you're like, cool. They're like the main actors or whatever aren't going to do anything in these scenes that like I'm gotta be paying attention to you know like they're just gonna talk Mm -hmm. or whatever um i tend to then it's a thing i just started i don't know it's not like a conscious decision but i tend to watch whoever's not talking Mm -hmm. i tend to watch them reacting to what's being said to them and then when they start talking i switch to the other person Mm -hmm. just because like i don't know i i I think we've all heard the 90 percent of acting is reacting yeah well i was gonna say yeah that's where all the acting is living yeah for the most part but yeah but i i once I heard that, I think I just started watching people react to, yeah. to be like, oh, that's interesting. Well, and also, I just became a habit. That's purely what an actor is bringing to a scene because it's not, they're Ooh. not doing lines written by somebody else. Right. They're doing uniquely the, the parts between the lines. Yeah, they're, 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 they're being that character in the moment they're not speaking. Yes. It's easy to be a character yeah. in a moment you're saying what that character says. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that just translated to me being like, you know, what's that guy in the back doing? 
I also, you know, I mean, I watch a lot of other, like, d- different th- styles of movies, different genres and things. You sound oh. suspicious of the people. I am suspicious of everyone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that there's not out, not people. Uh, yeah, that's that famous. Uh, Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean uh-huh. there's not people out to get you. That's that famous line from that Nirvana song. Yeah? Yeah, the, he quotes that. Oh, okay. Just because you're paranoid. Just because you're paranoid don't mean they're not after you. Yeah, that seems like something he'd do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kurt Cobain was full of, like, bumper sticker wisdom and stuff Mm -hmm. because he hung out with, like, you know, scum. I mean, like, and I say that affectionately. I also hung out with scum. Um, Indeed. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, spray-painted, like, you know, like, those kind of clever thoughts and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, bumper sticker wisdom that you see, and there'd be stuff, you know, spray-painted on walls that said, like, God is gay, so he snuck that into a song, you know, and... I'd yeah. rather have a bottle in front of me than a front of lobotomy. That is, again, apocryphally. That's like the third time I've used that word this this episode. But apocryphally, Tom Waits invented that, which I think is amazing. And I also, feel like Kurt Cobain would quote Tom Waits in definitely, a heartbeat. Yes. <laughs> had, he, uh, had he lived uh, long enough to get into <gasps> Tom Waits. Yeah, man. And then they'd probably do a thing. I don't know. Maybe. I can't really. Honest, I, like... I, I love Kurt Cobain. I love, you know, but okay. like, I can't honestly project the trajectory of his later life and That's career. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, he might have been a total recluse because he had money. He didn't That's have true. to work. Yeah. Like... And he wasn't particularly a he... fan of um, notoriety. No. And he loved, yeah. like, Neil Young. And Neil Young is a famous recluse. Like, mm-hmm. he's very prolific. He records a lot and puts things out, but he doesn't do press and stuff as much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Kurt might have just, like, bought a fucking ranch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in Washington State and been like, leave me alone, man. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it would have been a fucking fisherman. There are fishermen people up there in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Been anyway. Flying out of 12 months on sea. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, I could see, like. Instead, he only fished for that baby the once. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I never found out if he caught him. Um, but we're not talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey or Nirvana the Band. It's not a movie. Uh, we're a little bit talking yeah. about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or no, I know, Bill and but, Ted's Bogus Journey. But the people who've downloaded this episode know that that's not the title of the episode. No. We yes. are covering yeah. Bill and Ted's Face the Music, Bill and Ted 3, from 2020. And I think the reason that I really wanted to cover this, A, hadn't seen it. Uh, Gabby, you mentioned that you wouldn't mind like doing an episode on it and all that. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're still technically in quarantine in real life, you know, pretty recently, like this past weekend, Philadelphia imposed slightly stricter, like safety, COVID safety protocols, which are asking people not to gather in groups. It, we're heading into Thanksgiving week and guess what? People don't care. So it's pretty depressing and, um, you know, not a great time to be like a human that cares about other people. It's very easy to be, cynical now because you just see so many people not giving a crap about anybody but themselves um and i was like you know what bill and ted face the music the bill and ted franchise as a whole is very positive yeah be excellent to each other yeah like that's the ethos of the entire thing yeah (laughs) and that's definitely wayne's world i definitely no they say they say it too it's part of that whole culture yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. i was like it was just in the zeitgeist in the 90s yeah, but I mean, like, Wayne's World did popularize more, or, or yeah. said it more frequently. Probably. Yeah, the, their, bit, their yeah. two big catchphrases are excellent and party on. Yeah. Party on Wayne, party on Garth. Yeah. yeah. That's the call and response for, for Bill and Ted as well, is be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Yeah. So, that MTV effect. Yeah. Pop yeah. culture. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Beaming popular culture into the minds of children. Yep. Remember when I played music? I'm old. Hi. <laughs> that's the thing, though, is if that's the kind of messaging, I don't think it's that bad. No, but that wasn't always mm-hmm. the messaging. Yeah, no, I know. Sometimes it's put them on the glass or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> God. I think half that generation came out all right. Yeah. <laughs> I do think there is some, you know, some reality to the concept that, like, what, you know, what you show kids influences them. But I I think it's a very short window. And it also depends on the person. Like, It depends on the person. Also depends on whether or not you encourage them to seek context. Yeah, I know. There's a million. We're not. This isn't a child rearing podcast. We're not going to go into all the reasons why. (laughs) But I think even if MTV was like, we're only going to show posi core music, you know, everything that's just uplifting and fucking you know all this stuff feel good stuff i still think you know the generation generation x would have been disaffected and depressed you know yeah it's a combination of socio-political yeah influence as well as whatever yeah i mean mass I, media is delivering oh totally yeah, yeah really what it is is yeah. it's the generation you know whatever generation growing up enough to really start being aware of the world outside themselves and how they react to that, which is, you know, a direct uh, reaction to what the world is like. Yeah. And if the world sucks, you're going to feel pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel very bad for anybody coming of age now because it's, like, it's rough. Although, I feel like there is a bit more of a hopeful tone than you would see with Generation X. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rise of the internet and social media allowing people to meet people from other places or other countries, yeah, even. of course. And being like, oh, hey, there are people out there that don't suck. Yeah, and, to he- and also just to hear people, you know, outside of your circle be like, things will be all right. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to just have somebody be like, things are going to be okay, man. And you're like, oh, God, thank you, strange person on the street. I just needed that. And I feel like this generation is a lot more like that. People are very uplifting with each other, more accepting, but it's heading maybe in the right direction. They seem like they'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah, couldn't hurt. I mean, like a lot of the most, a lot of the more progressive tone, I think, is coming from young people. Yeah. And yeah, it's the thing of like, you know, it's okay to be yourself in whatever way that that you know, whatever yeah, form that takes. Yeah, as long as it's not hurting yeah. anybody, who cares? Yeah. Which seems to be, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people's MO, which is good. Because, yeah, I, I grew up in a very, you know, cynical generation. I, I mean, I, I again, I think Hunter, I'm a very cynical person, but yeah. I'm a... Hunter I'm a, kind of bridges the gap between uh, X and Millennial. Yeah, So yeah. he's right in that little... I'm unfathomable, you guys. Well, so also, you were a childhood insomniac, like we've talked about, so I feel like you had a lot more um, media exposure at a younger age than other people that were, like, maybe a year or two younger than you. I also like to read books, which helps. Yeah. (laughs) You were also a late adopter of the internet and cell phones. Yeah. So. I don't like technology. No, I know. That's why I do the tech, is because you can't really jerry-rig things uh, on a computer and have it still work as easily as you can with like a vacuum cleaner no in that i'm i'm mostly yeah. the wayne yeah but in that respect i'm the garth because i'm like <laughs> we fear change <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know am i the bill or the, the ted um hmm. they're a lot less clearly defined yes even over three films yeah mm-hmm. and i think that's part of the charm i don't think that's I, a failing i think yeah. like even in this movie to yeah. dive yeah. into the movie they literally go to a therapy yeah. session together yeah and, like can't separate because they think as a pair yeah they're like one whole entity but two separate yeah. people didn't they morph into one 
No, oh, that was Station. You're confusing, yeah. you're confusing Bill yeah. and Ted with Station again. Well, so, That's what I'm doing. You, you ever put a mirror in front of a parakeet? Because, I used to do like, it before I got banned from every pet store. Oh, my God. Because it entertains <laughs> Oh, the mirror man's oh back. God. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like that's kind of the dynamic is, like, them feeling like they're interacting with somebody that's different from themselves, except that it's not that different. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess yeah. they are, like, the poster children of, like, you know feeling seen like having somebody yeah. be like i totally get you dude yeah yeah it was repeated less successfully in the uh stoner comedy dude where's my car well yeah that's just <laughs> an echo like... chamber for oh, yeah. dumb cynical bullshit yeah. i mean yeah. that's like literally the opposite of bill and ted They're... i think it was striving for a similar spirit and didn't quite hit the well, mark it doesn't get the tone <laughs> yeah exactly it's a it's a very cynical like it's a more cynical take yeah because a lot of that is them being the butt of the joke as opposed to bill and ted being actually successful despite other people being like, like they're like uh, Bill's dad is like, yeah, you guys are. Is it Bill's dad? Ted's, Ted's dad, dad is the cop. Ted's, Ted's dad, dad. Yeah. yeah, is like you know, yeah, you guys are such losers. But then, kind of in this movie, finally sort of realizes like, oh, actually, like they're not as full of dumb bullshit as I thought that they were for ages. Yeah, I feel like, especially yeah. having watched all three movies, that having him be like, you know, you guys can do it at the end of this mm-hmm. was something they were trying to build to in the first two movies. Sure, it felt like like you yeah. know, there's like moments of that in in the first two. Yeah, and I mean, like it's. You know, it's something that I feel like is important to acknowledge is that you are seeking, like, uh, acceptance from yeah. the older generation. Yeah, yeah. This whole movie is about that. Yeah. 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 Like, these are two kids who, like, in the first two movies, yeah, you can, oh, my dad's going to send me away to, um... Military what is it? camp. Boot camp. Military school, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah up yeah. in the Alaskan boot camp or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't really see the dynamic between them as, like, parent and dad, but it was really nice to watch this in this movie and ted just be like yeah thanks dad like it was like that was his immediate reaction i was like oh this is totally like heartwarming accepting the love from an older generation and i was like that's really cute oh yeah this movie's very sweet and earnest yeah dude some of my favorite parts are like the smallest little things yeah. in this again which i feel like i've said about other movies before but yeah, yeah just teeny tiny little things that i'm just like oh man well, because, yeah. okay, in the grand scheme of things, to quickly go through the plots of the first two so you have context, in the first movie, these two, you know, high school, again, legally not stoners, we never see them do anything illegal, drink even, like, we never see them drink beer. Yeah, no. Um, even in the no. second movie when they're, like, hanging out in their crash pad apartment, they're just drinking soda and eating snacks, like... Yeah. They're it's just... very uh, regular show, we were talking about yeah. that recently. Yeah, soda's sort of a stand-in for alcohol. yeah. Or and, Wings is as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... Because, yeah. like, you do see these characters getting a little loopy on them, but, like, it's still very, like, yeah, G-rated. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you have these two kind of, like, underachiever, legally not stoners, who are both going to fail and disappoint their parents and stuff, and, you know, if they don't put on this uh, presentation. So then a, f- a time-traveling phone booth from the future, uh, manned by George Carlin, which is amazing shows up and tells them, you guys are actually really important and you're going to, like, unite, you're going to save the world, basically. You're going to unite all people. And it's important that your band, The Wild Stallions, doesn't break up. And that's the, that's the first movie, and it's great. In the sequel, as we mentioned, they die because the whole the whole plan is, okay, we're going to go back, we're gonna stop them from, you know, being a band. It's uh, Terminator logic. 
Yeah. Evil Bill and Ted robots, yeah. Evil Bill and Ted robots, yeah. We're gonna so we're gonna send back evil Bill and Ted clones that look just like them. They're robots inside of like yeah, it's Terminator. They're fleshy skins. Yeah. Um, and oh they're man, gonna and that kill... had some gross effects. Yeah, yeah. Doing that, some oh. light body horror stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're great. gonna kill them, take their place, and totally blow it. So they like alienate their uh, girlfriends who are princesses they picked up in the 14th century, and you know disband the band. So then they'll never unite the world, and instead. You know, they go on this crazy adventure, they die, they go to heaven, they go to hell, blah, blah, blah. They team up with the Grim Reaper, he joins the band, and they do, you know, unite the war. That's like, every, it seems like things are going well. They're the most popular band. Mm -hmm. And then now we're like 20 odd years out. They haven't done that yet. And they're, you know, still two underachievers. The, you know, their their wives, the, the princesses have jobs. But Bill and Ted just hang out, um, you know, living off their residuals and try to make the song that will unite the world as they've been prophesied to do. George Carlin's daughter comes back in time and tells them, you know, it has to be done by 7.17 p.m. Uh-huh. Or else... Not only the world, but all of, you know, reality itself will disharmonize and end. Mm -hmm. um, Raising the stakes there. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah, so that's where we, that, that, that's the, the well, main driving point. Because also, so, we have established that there's life on other planets with Station yeah. being a Martian. So yes. having yes. not just the world end, but all of reality. everything. All of reality. Yeah. Uh, there is a line in the end of, I think it's Bogus Journey specifically, that says, like, uh, your music will align the planets and something, something. Sure. Yeah. So also to mention, they totally had kids at the end of Focus Journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, we haven't mentioned that at all. No, but the, yeah. the very end of the movie, they get to, this This is kind of a recurring gag, because it's a time travel movie, so you can have fun with that. Mm -hmm. They do it in both of the first two, but they get to the final scene where they're supposed to like be on stage and be great musicians and rock out and save the world, and they realize that they've spent all this time getting the band together and getting everything set up, and they haven't actually learned to play yet. Mm -hmm. So they travel to the future uh, for like a 17-month intensive music school, and they come back, and you know they look fun and rock and rolly. Um, Alex Winter, who plays uh, Bill, has... Like it's a, a very long ZZ, ZZ top, top beard, situation. yeah. Uh, uh, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, Reeves, who plays Ted, has like a ridiculous soul goatee. patch, yeah. Like and then he is wearing a vest that almost reminds me of like, have you ever seen like the uh, Chinese plate armor? Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of that. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's very like it's it's cool. It's very yeah. cool. It's, what we're saying is it's super cool. Um, but they when they come back from this like sixteen month thing, they both have like baby Bjorns on them that have their their children in them, uh, and the princesses, and you know, and they take them and then they rock out. Yeah. So now we get to really meet the in face the music. We get to meet their children, and in classic, I feel like classic Bill and Ted fashion, Ted has named his daughter Billy. Yeah. And Bill has named his daughter uh, Theodora Thea. Thea. Yeah. Yeah. Bill and Ted. Mm -hmm. It's adorable. Yeah. yeah. They had to, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and honestly, I loved watching the actress who played Ted's daughter act like him the entire time. It was really entertaining for yes. me because yeah. Bill's daughter didn't really. Yeah, what is their name? Yeah, so. Um, as many aneurysms. So, uh, Bridget uh, Lundy Payne yeah. is playing Keanu Reeves like kid. Yeah, and they're, okay. they're and... like. Allison, you mentioned yeah. this. Their mannerisms are so good. Yeah. Bridget is, like, just the way she holds her shoulders and emotes with her face is just, like, perfect. And, like... The entire time. Yeah, man. And then, oh. so, um... I just want to point out, in that, the, the Comic-Con thing. Yeah. Um, they said they use they-them pronouns. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. 
I just uh, yeah. I I missed that. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing actually in Bogus Journey. Um, the spirit of Ted briefly inhabits his father. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the dad's? Uh, I wrote it down, but I can't find my note. Uh, Hal Landon Jr. plays Ted's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and his impression of Ted in his body yes. is so fucking funny. Yeah. yeah in, in Bogus, Bogus Journey. Yeah. He's, he's, he yeah. does like the chest out, arms back thing that, that yeah. Keanu does a lot. And he's like, oh, hey, police dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, Bridget Lundy Bridget Payne? Lundy Payne. Lundy yeah. Payne. Um, Bridget Lenny Payne also really does those mannerisms well, but makes it like unique. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's not an impression of Keanu. It's no, it's like it's definitely like evolving from that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Slightly different, but like it's yeah. an important distinction, and I think they nailed it. And yes. I, I, I we yeah. talked about this too. I think Samara Weaving does yeah. a good job. Samara Weaving is uh, the other. She's Thea. Thea. Yeah. yeah. She's uh, Bill's daughter. Yeah. And so she does the Alex Winter thing of like, like wide eyeing, like staring, like oh. Yeah. Um, so, and this is not a dig at Alex Winter, um, he's kind of a funny looking guy, not like, you know, yeah. I, I say this as also kind of a funny looking guy. So, like, when he does big eyes, it's inherently, like, a little funny. Yeah. And she's very when pretty. She does it, so when so she does like, it, yeah. she just looks like, oh. Yeah. yeah. yeah she yeah. just looks like a preschool teacher who's <laughs> yeah. humoring you, like. Yeah, um, I think Samara Weaving delivered a lot of pretty good line reads. Um, oh, definitely. She's very yeah. good at, like, cadence and commitment in in that sort of way. So I liked a lot of that. But, yeah, the, the physicality I don't think was quite as... I don't know what I I would have suggested. Well, doing in general, I don't think happen. either of them was as bouncy as I you know th- I thought Bill and Ted, young Bill and Ted are. Sure. They're very like yeah, and they kind of just always kind of bop. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. They're always kind of like shimmying, mm-hmm. which is like I kind of feel like part of their you know physicality is very like high energy but standing still movement. Yeah, yeah. sure. sure. Yeah. Um, but the performances I thought were really really good. Definitely. So, like, I mean, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to say I, I dislike this movie for any things. I think it's really good. But, you know, we we do, I think we, I, I would have liked more time with uh, Billy and Thea. Yeah. J- just the two of them, not necessarily, like, doing sure. their side quest. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, well. like, yeah. there was a lot of moving parts in this. There is. There's a lot, yeah. you are trying to, so this was already going to be a little tough to pull off because not only is it a sequel, but it's a long gap from the last one. Yeah. So you have to do a lot of, yeah, yeah groundwork. You have work. to address the time difference and the fact that you're still using the same actors and, you know, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's almost easier now to do like modern reboots of things than to do a continuation with that much time passing. Right. It can be done obviously. Cause I feel like this was fairly successful, but it's definitely got a lot of challenges to it. Yeah. Logistically speaking. So yeah, and, I mean, really what it comes yeah. down to is it was what... never going to be wholly their movie. The, right. the girls. No, yeah. I know that, but yeah. I, I'm not saying it should have been the, uh, their movie. I just think that no, I would have yeah, liked just, yeah. just more of just the two of them interacting without the plot. Sure. Um, necessarily. Although, I mean, like, even when you first see them, it's at this wedding, they're bopping along to their dad's music, and then, like, there's a scene where Bill and Ted are talking to, uh, Ted's dad, right? Ted's dad, yeah. Yeah. And you just see the girls in the background playing with all these children. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, and just doing like little like, you know, conga lines and games and stuff. Yeah. And it's very sweet. And, you know, that was like kind of a thing. We're like, you know, you're barely introduced to them, but you're still getting a lot from yeah. just how they're interacting in the background. Yeah. Like I said, and, I'm not, it's not yeah. a major complaint. I just, yeah. I was like, oh, I wish, you know, I wish we got more of them because I liked them so much. Definitely. Um, and yeah, because of the very nature of the story, we had to split them up into two teams. It's Bill and Ted and Billy and Thea, and they're yeah. working. Technically, there's yeah. three teams because sure. the princesses are off doing their own thing, but we don't really care about what they're doing. No, I mean, like, <laughs> unfortunately. Like, un- yeah. did you notice how in the film, and this is something that I noticed, that the, the daughters don't interact with their moms at all. <laughs> like, they don't acknowledge them. They were like dads when they came back through the yeah. time travel thing. Huh. Which... And we're just like, push my princess mothers aside. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I do. That's one of the little things I love is that they never say "dad." It's always "dads." Well, that same hive right. mind thing. Because they are truly <laughs> their father's daughters. Uh, yeah. they're truly like that. Was the thing we mentioned that uh, Bill and Ted are in um, like relationship counseling with their princess wives. Yeah, and the counselor is like, "Bill, tell your wife that you love her," and Bill goes like, "You know, is his wife Elizabeth?" Um. Hang on. I can't remember which wife. No, his wife is Joanna. Oh, his wife's Joanna, and then Liz is uh, Ted's wife. Ted's, yeah. So he's like, he's like, Joanna, Ted and I love you and Liz. Yeah. Like, that's the, and and they're, it's totally earnest, and like, they mean it, it's not like, it's just how they think. Yeah, Alex was like, oh, you you bone that up. Let me do it. And it's yeah. Like, and then he just adds in a lot of extra fucking. Yeah. He makes know. it more flowery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's also still, and, and, you know, Ted's like, did good. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they're both like nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is also reminiscent of their proposals in uh, yeah. bogus journey. Absolutely. Where it's like, I forget what the heck Alex, uh, and, uh, we're with what Ted and Bill are doing versus each other. I know. Um, I think it was, Ted was doing something about like the sea and the ocean and sea creatures or something. Yeah. And I don't remember what they're kind of talking in tandem. In yeah. That. And then it gets to like, Will would you, you me? would you, <laughs> And Liz, marry Ted and I, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And like the the princesses look at each other because they're sitting in like a parking lot, like, and they look at each other and they're like, "Yes, <laughs> it's adorable." Yeah. And that was the thing, like in Face the Music, there's kind of a through line that like the princesses are going to leave Bill and Ted because they can't find a future where they're successful um, in their endeavor to unite the world and whatever. But I was like, I don't buy it, and like. Obviously, that's not that doesn't come to pass in the logic of time travel. What it is is sit from the moment they heard this rumor, they were time traveling to try to catch up to their husbands to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they disappeared. It wasn't that they left. That you know, like that's that that's the, the self-contained loop of that logic. They didn't actually leave them. There's we never actually see a reality where they left them. We just see Bills and Ted's in, you know, future possible realities where they're like, the princess has left us. And it's like, well, no, they're doing what you did. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they left because they're currently missing in time to try and find you guys. Mm. And once the loop is contained, you guys won't exist. Okay. Yeah. It's time travel. Yeah, no, stuff. I know. It's yeah. time yeah. travel and paradox. And it's and also, it's a and... silly time travel movie. Yeah. So the logic doesn't super matter. No. But I was like, oh, I like that. And like Although, that... I mean, like it does have, that's, so here's the thing with time travel movies. You need to have at least a little bit of its own internal logic. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise the entire thing falls apart because. Yeah, you can't just hand yeah. wave it and yeah, be like, yeah. who knows? Who cares? You have to be like, oh, there's enough that you care. Yeah. 
it's hilarious because so as they go through time and they're getting all the musicians, which yeah. I guess we'll talk about in a minute. But Billy and Theo they have are, yeah. Kid Cudi for some reason who comes in and is explaining time travel throughout the film. Yeah. And I, then he just disappears. Kid Cudi like, is basically excellent. station. <laughs> yeah, well, he even says station. He does. Yeah, which made me laugh really hard. So Kid Cudi is a weird one. Because he uh, was music director on Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, okay. After mm-hmm. after yeah. Reggie Watts left. Oh, okay. Um, and because Reggie Watts got the late night gig yep. on um, yep. the Unfunny Brit. What's his name? Oh shoot. Oh, um, James Corden. Yes. He's the yes. he's yes. the music leader on James Corden's show, and I don't like James Corden. It's fine. But um, <laughs> so Kid Cudi took over. And what's weird to me is he has never gotten like a rhythm down of performing like in a scene. Just it's it's charming at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end, he's just like station. Okay, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> it's very like very 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 underplayed, and I, I thought it was really cute. Um, he's very funny in it, mm-hmm. and he delivers these fucking like you said like Neil deGrasse Tyson level like yep. mouthfuls yeah, of technological uh, not technological it's, yeah, it's he's, conceptual he's... physics like sure. um, jargon yeah. you know and he yeah. does it pretty well uh, and it was yeah, really fun they're, at one point they're like asking about the nature of infinity and how that could work yeah for, in the in, they're, the, they're in the climax to, they yeah. realize that to unite all of reality and all of time you know they can't just create a song that exists from a point in time forward they have to you know, simultaneously creating the song in as all a unit times, in yeah. all yeah and so they're they, they realize what they have to do is get everyone everywhere at all points in time to play along to the song mm-hmm. which we're told mm-hmm. is in c major and it's 130 i believe beats per minute i don't yeah. know i dude. think that's what they said that's some fucking music jargon that i don't understand yeah c major is the key i yeah i, I yeah <laughs> but like i don't know what that sounds like what sounds like that song they played, oh yeah. okay cool well, yeah i enjoyed the <laughs> i also so I know the I know the beats from it from uh, workout mixes. There's like yeah. an ideal. Yeah, I didn't say you didn't. You said you did. Okay. I just said it was C major, and I think it's 130. They said beats per minute. Cool. Um, so they travel to all points in all times because Kid Cudi explains that the the phone booth, the time travel pod, you know, whatever, is a nexus point in all realities and all times. Therefore, if you hit the infinity button, which is there. <laughs> well, he doesn't say hit the infinity. No, no, no. I'm explaining okay. the whole thing sure. in shorthand. Okay. All right. For the listeners. Sure. Um, that if you hit the infinity button, you will create infinite use who can do all this in a relatively, you know, short amount of time, split seconds, because it's like exist, what Santa does. Yeah. You exist in all times, <laughs> all times and all realities at the same time. So, uh, yeah. And they get everyone everywhere playing along. There's, yeah. People at like a 1930s baseball game playing kazoos and slide whistles and shit. It's adorable. It's so fun. But yeah, it's all because Kid Cudi explains all of it. <laughs> Thanks, Kid Cudi. Yeah. And then he goes, all right, I have to get back to my time. He starts to shine because like the throughout the movie, people from various points in time are popping into various incorrect yeah. points in time. Well, because he also wasn't a music artist that was specifically collected. He no, no, he appears. was he was one of these. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's one of these displaced time, people. Yeah, just time displaced. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I think I'm about to go back. And he's like, all right, gotta go, station. And he leaves. It's great. Yeah, I liked the entire movie. I thought it was really fun. I enjoyed when they traveled through time and met the other Ted's prison Ted's were my Ted's Ted Bill and Ted Woods definitely my favorite. Yeah. All my notes say like, um, let's see, we have, um, open mic night thems, which was pathetic. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Yeah. And British sir, Bill and Ted. 
Which yeah. is oh just open mic night thems, but bullshitting. Yeah, which in is Dave fun. Grohl's house. In Dave Grohl's house. Yeah, can we talk Fresh about Fresh Potts Dave... himself. Which was hilarious. <laughs> it was. So here's a weird thing I noticed in the credits. Kid Cudi is credited as Kid Cudi as himself. Dave Grohl is credited as Dave Grohl as Dave Grohl. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, why is that different? Either it was kind of a typo thing where it's, you know, not... No, I think convention. it's on purpose. I just don't or, know why. <laughs> or maybe Dave Grohl is in his real name. <laughs> well, so I think it's like... Maybe he's always playing himself. Well, I think it's except... like, you know, the joke of it is that like, oh, that's just how Kid Cudi is. And yeah. if you were to meet Kid Cudi, you know, he'd be able to explain time travel to you in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dave Grohl sees, uh, you know, two guys coming out of his house and calls the cops and that is a character... Because I feel like that might not be a thing Dave Grohl does. Yeah. I feel like Dave Grohl would just be like, hey guys, what are you doing in my house? <laughs> in my clothes. Yeah. What whatever. are you? Yeah, exactly. Maybe like, they brought their own clothes. Yeah, I, I think know. they brought costumes. Yeah. But he's like, hey guys. I, I feel like Dave Grohl would just be like, um, what's going on? I, yeah, I was more like mentally um, figuring it like how um, uh, he voiced Iago in Aladdin. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, yeah, Gilbert Gottfried. Does not actually talk like that in his personal life. Oh, yeah, or, life. or uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, yeah. same thing. But he always talks like that. Professionally. In, professionally. Because so that's I, how you know him. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that maybe is, like, the implication there with Dave Grohl as Dave Grohl. It's a character, but the character shares his name. Yeah, Dave Grohl, <laughs> yeah. Like Stephen Colbert before The Late Show when it was the Stephen Colbert show. The Colbert Report. The Colbert Report. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like that. Like, Dave Grohl comes, you know, he's like, all right, guys, see you later. Ba-ba-da-ba-da. And he goes in his house, and he takes off his wig and kicks off his shoes. And he's like, he's like, oh, bloody hell. Yeah. What a yeah. long day of being in the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's what I imagine it's like. Maybe. Dave Grohl is unknowable. Dave Grohl is, I feel like Dave Grohl's, like, <laughs> eminently knowable. <laughs> he's the fucking, he just seems like the nicest dude. Yep. I love that guy. Yeah. So shout out to Dave Grohl if shout you out ever Grohl. get to this. Yeah, Dave Grohl, if you ever want to come on the podcast, we will watch a movie with you. Just, yeah. It can be anything you want, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. I do want to talk about the wedding a little bit, uh, just really quickly. Um, I love their song at the wedding. It is insane Oh, yeah. And great. It starts with throat singing and theremin. <laughs> yep. And Two just of the gets best better things. from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like... Bagpipes. Yeah, back, Ted is, like, looping shit, and, yeah, it's great. It yeah. plays the bagpipes and a horn, and, oh, dude, it's wild. Yeah. I understand that it is not a hit, but it was not bad. Yeah. And then, you know, their their daughters are just in the audience, just bopping. They are trying to dance to it. Yeah. But it is, I think, impossible uh, to dance to. I feel like they were fairly successful. Sure. They looked like they were in a groove. I think they did the best anyone could conceivably do. Indeed. It was great though, um, but the so the wedding itself is funny because it is Ted's little brother Deacon yeah. is now marrying Missy, and Missy is a character who has appeared across all three films mm-hmm. and has a long and storied history with Bill and Ted, which is when they were freshmen in high school. She was a senior, and they asked her to. They both asked her to the prom. She was their babysitter, uh, you know, when they were 10. Then she married Bill's dad, Became went from being Missy to being mom. That's in Excellent Adventure. Then in Bogus Journey, you find out that she divorced Bill's dad and married Ted's dad. <laughs> and now she's divorced Ted's dad and has married Ted's little brother, Deacon, who is uh, a police officer like, like their dad is. Yeah. 
and it's weird. It's funny though, man. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. It really makes me laugh. In Bogus Journey, when that's one of my favorite lines is like, "Well, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe Missy divorced your dad." And married my dad. <laughs> like, the the pause is so fucking good and feels very real. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, the fact that they've made it a running joke is... Impressive. Probably one of the best jokes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and and it's uh, the same actress, um, Amy Stotch. Mm. Uh, or Stock? I'm not sure. Yeah, she plays Missy in all three films. The only, like, notable characters that aren't played by the same actors or actresses are the princesses they've never been played by the same actresses yeah yeah you know i mean hollywood is weird about like who you can cast as things like oh you have older male leads they're oh you know yeah. maybe their uh their wives have to be like you know quote-unquote hotter because i don't know what the actresses who played you know the princesses yeah. at any point looked like now yeah or they maybe, might have just declined to come back right. they might have retired yeah. who the fuck knows um, but hollywood yeah, is a shit machine else, that yeah. treats women terribly sure um and you know, not that I think uh, either Alex Winter or Keanu Reeves look particularly bad, but like if we can see that Bill and Ted have aged, I don't understand why it's weird that whatever. But I will say, at least the the wives that they're paired with seem age appropriate. They're not yeah. like twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I love that it's the same actress that she was like, yeah, I'll definitely come back to play Missy again. Like that's got to be so fun. Yeah. And they explain it in a way that it's in their toast is just like. Missy married my dad and she became mom. You know, then she yeah. divorced uh, Bill's dad and married my dad and she became my mom. Uh-huh. You know, like that kind of thing. It's really funny and cute. Um, yeah. And it, if you've never seen the others, it's just, you know, and funny. And now, Dad, you're your own son. Yeah. Which doesn't really track, <laughs> No, but it's, it's great, fine. though. The way, they, the way they do that, they're like, and, you know, and Missy is now my... Like, it's yeah. <laughs> this, like, crazy family tree, like, Yeah, Missy joke. is now my mom's sister. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> mom, my sister-in-law Meanwhile, mom. Dad's, yeah. like, sobbing. Yeah, Dad is <laughs> well, so miserable. It's great. I mean, He's just visibly yeah. upset, like... <laughs> <laughs> so then they go to the therapy which we discussed yeah couples therapy can't say i love you no because they don't think as single people the, wow the therapist they I just are want also to mention, like station they are like yeah. you know, it's a symbiotic <laughs> you know, everyone is stationed it's yeah. the royal we yeah um but the the therapist is uh jillian bell who uh, she's a comedian she's, she's been popped in up stuff, in a bunch yeah. of stuff um she's in one of those 21 or 22 Jump Street movies. Oh, yeah. Um, notably. Oh, yeah. She's in 22 Jump Street. 22, yeah. She's really funny. Yeah, she's pretty funny. She's in a lot of stuff recently. She's in Rough um, Night. Which oh, was, yeah. Like, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Rough Night was good. Yeah, she's yeah. she's always funny. She doesn't have a ton. She has one scene in this. She doesn't have a ton to do, but she's good in it. She has this uh, demeanor in basically everything I've seen her in where you can't tell if she hates you or not. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of her like whole, her whole face is just like. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like how owls look at you. It kind of is, yeah. I'm very into birds today. But yeah, no, where it's just like, you know, eyes and stoicism. (laughs) (laughs) That's very accurate. That might be our our button for this episode. It's a picture of an owl that just says eyes (laughs) and stoicism. (laughs) Please. It's a good one. Um, It's an owl in a Hate Watch, Great Watch (laughs) t-shirt. Thank you. I love it. Uh, You're welcome. When the the future pod, it's not a phone booth anymore. So I think the logic in the first two movies is that it should blend in Mm -hmm. and it should look, you know, like something that, you know, the same, it's the Terminator logic. Sure. But now they've, in the future, they've given up on it and they just send out time pods that kind of look like... An egg. Yeah, an egg. uh, Yeah, some kind of... They kind of look like Eve from WALL-E. 
a oh, little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very, like, iPod, you know, sleek, cool. clean white, yeah, you know. I mean, conversely, perhaps enough has altered that the future looks a little different. Sure. I'm not sure if that works with Maybe. Bill and Ted logic. Yeah, I think anything but... works with Bill and Ted logic. It's a very forgiving franchise. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It doesn't look like the future that we saw in no, uh, no. Bogus Journey, and also the costuming doesn't look like what we saw in Bogus Journey. No, in Bogus Journey, uh, we both took note that there were a lot of moon boots. Oh, yeah, man. There were a lot of moon boots. Yeah, even the bad guys in Bogus Journey also wear moon boots, which I was like, <laughs> if you're going to be like, no, we're standing up and rebelling and we're changing shit, but you kept moon boots, maybe you don't want to change shit that bad. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, that things look a little different. That was kind of my problem. My only real major problem with this mm -hmm. is that hell just looks like hell you'd see in anything else. It reminds yeah. me of uh, an episode two when we talk about hell and dogs go to heaven. Because, like, there's that, like, face that you see in the background that's, like, actually a... Uh tunnel opening or whatever yeah so that um I, I didn't look this up but i i that's uh is that referential got, to artwork or something yeah it's, okay. there's an artist um and i don't know i think they're russian okay um i can't but i don't remember their name so it's hard for me to look it up but sure. um they paint a lot of like very nightmare like dreamlike imagery that specifically like a tunnel leading into a big open mouth reminded me of something in the social media like find this painting and credit this artist and mm -hmm. stuff so that you guys can look it up because their art is really cool and I've seen it a bunch in, in different contexts yeah. um, but so I, I feel like the, the hell in this version was a little bit more surrealist than the hell in Bogus Journey well the hell in Bogus Journey was really original feeling Okay. It didn't feel like any really any other depiction of hell, kind of. No, I'm like the weird rock to get over there that you ride. Like that's never been in anything else um, no, that I mean, I've seen. There... And I feel like they just very easily like walked right into hell this time, and it was like, oh, okay. The, I mean, it's out. reminiscent they didn't of stuff. Walk but... into hell. They had that robot kill them. Right. Oh uh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, like once they got to hell. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> sure. In Bogus Journey, it was reminiscent of some things, but it wasn't. Like, this just looks like, you know, a burnt sky, big forlorn cliffs, you know, lava, fucking, you know, like, hell. Like, that's what you picture. Um, and I think in, in Bogus Journey, it looks like a weird, like, Dungeons and Dragons, like, hell, kind of, which fits with their, like, metalhead aesthetic. But then when they get inside that, like, structure in hell in Bogus Journey, it's like tunnels and little hallways, and it's a very weird depiction of hell okay. you know where they go they're going to the, the rooms full of like their worst fears and stuff yeah uh, i just thought it was a lot more interesting and unique and this this looked like they walked onto the set of your pretty face is going to hell yeah <laughs> which i don't have a problem with i just was like oh and like it could also be explained because reality is changing whatever whatever and also if you want to get really like highfalutin high concept with it which hunter likes to do hell isn't uh, a physical thing it it's is reminiscent of what you yeah. believe right so if the popular conception of what hell looks like has changed to be this thing through yeah. media depictions like your pretty face is going to hell and all these other things then maybe that's what hell looks like now unless you're really truly thinking on your own level in which case it looks like whatever it is to you yeah i was gonna i i immediately went to individualized in which case right. like even the time passing and sure. it's 25 years later you're a different person than you were 25 years ago and so sure. it's going to be yeah. yeah very different but none of this comes up in it this is just no. me spitballing absolutely um but yeah i was kind of like oh cool we get to see hell again and i was like oh it's not the same it's fine you know and honestly like they, they shot a lot of this on green screen and with limited you know it's a limited budget because it was a 25 year gap sequel to a less successful 
you know, sequel. Yeah. Um, I don't know what how well this would have done had it come out. If COVID weren't a concern, I don't know what it was theoretically going to open against, but, like, we were, like, going to rent it. I just was, I'll just pre-order it. Like, I like these guys, um, Ed Solomon and uh, Chris Matheson, the writers. I like, you know, I like these characters, and I just want to support this project, which we've been doing more of in quarantine and isolation, you know, kind of, is, like, I'll just buy it. Like, fuck it. I want to put my money where it matters to go, you know. I did want to mention, so we didn't talk about it, but yeah, you said the writers, Chris Matheson, Ed Solomon, who had been writing for all of the Bill and Ted's. Yep, they, they created the characters. Yep. Um, and then uh, the director uh, for this is Dean Pariseau. Did Galaxy Quest, which is another one of my fucking faves. Yeah, Galaxy Quest is amazing. It's the best Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, and that's something I wish I had more of. Oh, yeah, I wish there was, like, a whole French... Except yeah. for that I hate Tim Allen and he's horrible. Yeah, um, but I feel like he was just really good in that role because you do want somebody that's, like, a little grating. Yeah, yeah, you want somebody yeah. that has experience thinking they're more important than they are. Who can we get? <laughs> oh, you know who's available? Tim fucking yeah. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> You also R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Fuck. It's like yep. 2016 was yesterday, and it's kind of crazy to think about sometimes. Well, as we approach the end of the universe, time will move faster. That's uh, that's. I think that's backed up by like one of Einstein's hypotheses. I don't know. You read like the fucking Michio Kaku, you know. I'm not great at like math or physics or whatever, really. I'm really great at theoretical math and physics. Yeah, man. <laughs> the nitty gritty eludes me like to a wild degree, but... I would be like Kid Cudi, where if some yeah. time travelers showed up, I'd be like, okay, dudes, here's what we have to do. And like... Yeah, yeah well, because like, that's... Uh, a lot of stuff's been worked on for quantum theory, especially yes. with the Large Hadron Collider and yep. the fact that, like, I guess it's like the sexier part of science and the universe The right Large now. Hadron Collider? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, also, like, yes, a lot of your famous physicists... Uh, oh, your Hadron Collider's so large! Uh-huh. That's for my Large Hadron Collider-based pornography. Oh, God, Particle. <laughs> Hell yeah, that was good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I forgot what we were even talking about before this. Jesus We're God. having fun. We're drinking coffee. It's kind of early. Let's, let's fucking do it. Fresh pots. Fresh pots. <laughs> Dave Grohl. Um, oh, we were talking, where we were at in the movie is the pod shows up and it takes them to the future. Uh, Kelly is played by... Kristen Shaw. Yep, who you might know from being a horse. That's true. <laughs> Not what I expected you to say. I expected you to say Bob's Burgers because we like that quite a bit. Um, but yes, Kristen Shaw is a horse. Google that. It's the best five minutes you'll ever experience, probably. But she shows up. She plays Kelly. She's explained to be Rufus, uh, which was George Carlin's daughter. Um, I read in the trivia that Kelly is uh, George Carlin's actual daughter's name in real life, so that's oh. why they named. Uh, mm. Yeah, they named that's her so that. sweet. There's another little moment. That, again, I loved that, like, fucking made it for me, which is, like, they, in the future, see a hologram statue sort of thing of George Carlin. There is a, uh, it's the original phone booth, and then they have a hologram inside it of George Carlin. Just being like, you know, this is the phone booth that I took to go back to the great ones, Bill and Ted, or whatever. Like, he's got, like, you know. Oh, yeah, I I teared up with that. But so, like, as they're they're moving on, Ted, like, kind of, like, you know, like, nod and waves at him. 
as they're leaving, just kind of like, bye. And I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's adorable. Uh, they steal that phone <laughs> to go back in time. Well, mm-hmm. to go forward in time. They're told that they need to, you know, perform the song at this time, and they're given um, Rufus's watch that has an inscription in it that reads, sometimes things don't make sense until the end of the story. Yep. Let me ask you my game that I like to do, which no, is, um, what do you think these movies were rated? Boy, I can't imagine it. Okay, so my one problem with the two previous Bill and Ted's is they do use era-appropriate homophobic slang once per movie. It was a different time. Yeah. And they don't do it in this because it's a different time now. But I feel like that might have earned them a PG-13 for those two movies. Do you think PG or PG-13, Gabby? PG-13. So, the first two movies were PG. Wow. Both Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey were PG. Yeah. And then this one is PG-13, and I'm not entirely sure where the difference is. Uh, I think it's a cultural change in what we consider PG or PG-13. What in this film would you guys consider to have been PG-13, though? Is it the Nasty Station blob? Because, like, other than (sighs) that, I don't... Did they... I don't remember them cursing or anything. No, I mean, like, I feel like it's got the same levels of, like, weirdness and references to death and stuff as you do in Bogus Journey. Yeah, I don't think there's there's any swearing. Um, In PG-13, famously, you get one fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody swears really at all. Maybe somebody throws out like a casual like this shit or whatever, but I don't think so. No. Yeah. yeah I honestly yeah. I don't I don't know. That's a weird one. Interesting. Yeah. If anybody if any listeners have like any knowledge of why? Yeah. The only thing that could maybe be a little different is that the robot commits suicide. Oh, that's true. The uh, robot does definitely yeah. want to kill itself. Yeah. Which we haven't we haven't seen since Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So the oh, robot yeah. is a crazy thing in this movie. Oh, yeah, wait. So give me a second. Hold on. His um, name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yes. Uh, and he is played by Anthony Kerrigan, who Hunter and I had seen a bunch of stuff because like he's been working a lot. He's very funny. Yeah. He's very funny in like everything I've seen him in. In a weirdly like low key way. Yeah. Um, and the he's same... just he's good at giving weird performances yeah. which is great and also not doing like the obvious thing he downplays a lot of stuff he says stuff really like uniquely in mm-hmm. not just this he does it in this as well but yeah. in uh, uh, he's in uh, what's it Barry so he's in Barry as yeah. NoHo Hank was also in Gotham and The Flash I've uh, never I don't think I've seen him in Gotham I don't think I watched enough Gotham for that but he's um, funny in this yeah so for the first I don't know half of his uh, you know time in the movie um, they have his voice like heavily robot modulated and he's just kind of like yeah, you must write the song you know and yeah. they're like we're trying but we have to do this dude or whatever and he's like unacceptable and like tries to shoot them uh, with a laser instead he shoots Ted's dad and the paddy wagon yeah which is it's hilarious to me that the paddy wagon goes to hell (laughs) (laughs) it's again it's very forgiving logic in this franchise that was the thing I was like oh maybe it's not like a death laser maybe it's a send them to hell laser like yeah but they treat it like death and they specifically say they're gonna kill Bill and Ted and I was like but you can't kill a truck (laughs) yeah yeah and I like, kind of wish that, like, Bill it's... and Ted had addressed it and been like, they totally killed your truck. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, it is treated like a teleport gun, but it is discussed as uh, a weapon. Yeah. 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 And so, which is weird, because usually that's backwards to how... 
it's silly. violence is sanitized in like video games and stuff. Yeah. So okay, Bill and Ted are in the future. They are like we mentioned that they have till seven seventeen p.m. their time to perform this song. They're given a mi- what turns out to be a mile marker, but they're not sure what. Oh you know. yeah, they're given what sounds like a code or a coordinate and everything and we find out later that yeah it's a mile marker towards the end of the story where things start to make sense um and then also yeah they very specifically are saying preston and logan or something which like that was one of those things where like as soon as they were saying that i'm like it's their daughters oh definitely as (laughs) soon as they were playing let like to be fair they're not fully retconning stuff the way other franchises sometimes do at one point the line is dropped that like the information that george carlin was working on could be interpreted differently like that's you know one thing and and Mm -hmm. i like that i like them laying that track of like it's hard to say but this is you know that does double duty too to justify them sending the robot after them because like why would you do that and it's like well some people believe that it means that they need to be killed right and the idea that like george carlin you know, was just doing what he thought was best. That's good. You know, because it doesn't negate his character as a character. Absolutely. It doesn't negate his choices and stuff. And then also, it's not like they're not involved, but it's that they're just a piece of this and it's that their kids are the ones orchestrating it but like yeah so it, yeah in the end as we said part of the band it's not you know? it's not yeah i really enjoyed that line yeah in the it end it's cute. not that wild stallions bill and ted create this song that unites everything it's preston and logan which are their daughters yeah. billy thea and them on guitar and these other you know musicians accumulated from across time and stuff it's it's the grandfather paradox without george carlin going back and yeah. giving them, you know, the, the, the phone booth in the first movie, they wouldn't have met the princesses, they wouldn't have, you know, had these adventures, they wouldn't yeah. have be able... had these daughters, right. or had the daughters have their entire lives impressed upon them, the importance of music, right? Like, and its yeah. power and ability and all that, yeah. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, all of this was necessary to get here. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, good. totally a full circle trilogy. It was a really good trilogy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that, like, even though they change, you know, things and what the, they move the goalposts a little bit, mm-hmm. it all works because of, you know, silly, fun, elastic time travel logic. Yeah. W- while Bill and Ted now convinced that they have, you know, 11 hours or something to write the song that will unite all of reality, they decide the best thing they can do is go into the future when they have theoretically already written the song, take it from themselves, you know, go back and perform it and everything will be cool. We'll get to their story in a sec, but so just to state that meanwhile, since they take Rufus's old phone booth to travel, Kelly with the time travel egg goes back to where she picked them up to look for them and meets up with Billy and Thea and lets them take the time travel egg to assemble the band so that when their dads get back, the band will be ready and they can do the song. Uh, so these are two parallel things that we're following throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, uh, Billy and Thea go on the adventure from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm-hmm. They're traveling through time. In Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it almost feels accidental that they like happen to, you know, meet up with who they're like, who well, they're looking for. I thought it was kind of because didn't the uh, phone booth get a little damaged? Yeah. Or something? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. but but it all works out. Um, but yeah. in this, obviously, they're like, oh. We have to start with Jimi Hendrix. Which is such a good place to start, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, like, that is probably on my short list of where I'd start. Because, yeah, one of the greatest guitar players ever. Yeah, greatest, most inventive. Yeah, yeah. no, it was really exciting. Hendrix in this is played by Dazman Still. I just want to put that out there. Oh. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good no. impression. He he got the physicality oh, a lot. Definitely. Like, he, he looks enough like him that it's good. But, yeah. like, his physicality was really good, I thought. Yeah. 
Um, he sort of had yeah. like a swaggery kind of walk to it, like that well, looks like all the footage I've seen of of Hendrix. Also, I feel like Jimi Hendrix and Louis Armstrong were the only two of like the traditional musicians that had a lot of like photographs taken of them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so. Louis Armstrong in this played by Jeremiah Kraft, who I thought was fucking great. I yeah. thought that was a really yeah. goddamn good. I have no idea who that who he is other than this. Yeah. I don't know if he just sounds like Louis Armstrong or if he's doing a great impersonation. His cadence was good. It was so yeah. good, and but it was like very good. it started getting like weirdly in a, in a fun way creepy because <laughs> he would be like, "Yeah, that's right." Mm. Yeah. And just kind of growl <laughs> at the end of saying stuff and i was like i like this so much <laughs> it was so fun um yeah uh, i really he was in the netflix luke cage apparently oh yeah w griffith i i i don't remember yeah it's been a while that, since we checked that out yeah so very quickly uh mozart is played by daniel door ling lun is played by sharon gee or g and uh, Grom, the drummer, is played by Patty Ann Miller. But I thought all the, like, I mean, I thought the Jimmy and the Louis Armstrong were, like, really, really solid. Nobody fucking knows what Mozart was Poorly. like. Yeah. Um, so I liked this, like, kind of spastic performance of Mozart. Like, he's very, like, he's, like, <laughs> he playing. charge. Yeah, well, you know, uh, they, they pick up Hendrix, then they go and they pick up Mozart, and Mozart is playing, uh, you know, on his harpsichord or whatever. Hendrix plugs into the fucking egg. Uh, which is a yeah. natural amplifier, and is, that's an amazing detail that I liked. Mm-hmm. And he just starts playing well, along. music is very important. Yeah, in the so, future, yeah. yeah, so things would be outfitted yeah. to be able to do that kind of stuff. Well, that was great. That, like, I know, It yeah. wasn't like he plugged in and, like, panels folded down and there were speakers built into yeah, it. It just is a speaker, and yeah. I was like, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So he starts playing along with Mozart, and Mozart kind of is like, what the hell is that? But then goes back and plays a little bit more and then Hendrix plays more and then they're playing together. You know, typical when you see a movie and people start to jam. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like uh, dueling banjos. Yep. yep. Yeah. And then Mozart literally just goes like, <laughs> I forget, I saw what the translation of what he says is, but it yeah. basically is like, who's this motherfucker? But he's like <laughs> smiling and he goes outside and he's like, what, what, what? and you know, Hendrix is like, hey man. And then he's just yeah, on he's, board. Yeah, he's like, Jimmy. It's so yeah. good. And then, then they go pick up uh, Ling Lun and... Who Mozart is, Mozart like, is like absolutely stoked. With. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he, like, you know, he plays, like, her flute a little bit, plays one of his compositions, you know. Yeah. And then she plays it back to him and he's, like, thrilled. And yeah. it's a lot of physical. It's not a lot of dialogue because he's, uh, you know, not speaking English. Right. But, like, it's very, like... Yeah, it's this very, like, kind of upbeat, very spastic, like, fun Mozart. I was like, I like this a lot. This yeah. is cool. Because well, like, he's fanboying. Yeah, yeah, and it was really good. Yeah. And then and then they go grab uh, the drummer and... Grom. Grom. And she's terrified because, uh, you know, she's a, she's a, you know, tribal drummer. And all these crazy people show up in an egg from out of nowhere. And <laughs> they have yeah. to be like, it's okay, calm down. It's fun, man. It's, it's a good little arc. Yeah, she's drumming on uh, tortoise shells and stretched skins in a, like, you know hut yeah in a hut that yeah. that she's like put clay and stuff together to make like a drum kit for yeah. all these it's so good i was like that's so fun yeah. it's just fun like, yeah it's a really fun movie yeah. you know they eventually meet up with kid cuddy yeah they go to hell oh that's true. oh yeah. yeah they pop because they get back to like i guess 2022 is where they're at right i think so yeah, yeah. and we'll call it now I yeah, guess. It's, yeah, it's vaguely contemporary. Yeah, times. it's now-ish to the movie. Yeah, it's the thing, man, with time traveling and stuff. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's when Kid Cudi pops up, and yes, yeah. they open mm-hmm. their garage to be like, "Yeah, let's start the band." And then they get shot by yeah, that's right, the, the robot, laser robot, and go to hell. The robot who we will find out is named Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yeah, which is such a weird gag. Yeah, I was wondering if like Dennis Caleb McCoy is like a, a reference a, to something. Yeah, a reference or a friend of theirs, yeah. or like they had a contest or something. You yeah, know? I don't know. There's a joke to it where somewhere um, Kelly's like, you know, you said a robot and you named him after my ex-boyfriend what the hell mom yeah you know uh, yes because the supreme leader uh of the future is kelly's mother so yeah. rufus's uh you know widow that was uh holland taylor who is in a lot of stuff. oh yeah i think i recognized her from legally blonde oh <laughs> yeah what it is because she's a professor in that but okay. like i mean you know she's been in a ton of stuff and, but yeah she's yeah. who sent the robot back mm-hmm time is starting to really really like break down like the great pyramid shows up at the end of bill and ted's cul-de-sac uh, that they live on and there's a great line where kelly is like talking to her mother on her phone for, you know in the future and is like yeah mom yes things are going crazy here the queen of england is looking right at me <laughs> uh yeah and then kid cuddy shows up and they all get zapped and they all go to hell meanwhile bill and ted yeah have gone i think they start with two years in the future yes and they compared to now yeah compared to yeah yeah so they go two years in the future to find themselves, you know, uh, playing at an open mic. They're playing a song that they kind of introduce in the beginning of the movie uh, as like one of their failed attempts to write the song that will unite the world called Those Who Rock. Mm-hmm. It's them, you know, being like, we are those who rock. And they're yeah. trying to get the whole crowd in this like VFW hall or bar or whatever to be yeah. like, rock. You know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a bar and grill yeah, kind of place. Yeah, like um, if Dave and Buster's was sadder. The open mic thems are they see bill and ted they immediately unplug and exit the stage and try to juke out the back door but bill and ted catch up to them and they have this whole thing where the open mic thems which we'll refer to from here on out for clarity as like evil bill and ted because they recur in different forms because they're not expressly evil but they're the bad guys yeah yeah um and they're mad at bill and ted prime for disappearing into the time stream losing their wives and daughters who now no longer talk to them but again i explained like i think the justification is that the wives and daughters are all traveling through time trying to get everybody back together yeah um so that's kind of why they aren't around yeah because at the same you know they disappear and they reappear moments later but while they were gone because of theoretical physics they were gone forever right right yeah okay so but so like yeah they're like oh yeah the prince has left us right um which then causes bill and ted prime to want to go back to see if they can fix that right real quick before they get on to yeah and open mic open mic bill and ted are like and then you make it worse don't make it worse and they go back and they don't really make it worse they just introduce the they're like they basically tell the princesses like yeah and you're gonna leave us and they're like we are and they're like yeah don't yeah Yeah. (laughs) please yeah you're gonna come back and tell yourselves that we suck don't go with yourselves but maybe do go with yourselves because then like you have to yeah because it happened yeah yeah and they're like wait so do we go or do we not go and they're just kind of like yeah, definitely do not go. go. Yeah. yeah. No. Yes. But no, they eventually yeah. land with like, well, you have to go because it happened and I guess yeah. you have to, but don't leave us. Yeah. You know? And they keep going like, we're going to fix it. And that's literally yeah. every other time that they cross the paths with the princesses. They're just like, we're going to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fun running gag for me. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing that I really like is just like, you know, they don't. Yeah. Really they're like, we don't have time else. right now to explain, but we're going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So having a ticking clock in a time travel movie is always, like, tricky. And again, like, the elastic fun silliness of this lets that work. Yeah, but so there is sort of an absolute time that um, George Carlin Rufus's watch is marking for them. Yeah, and he does kind of establish that in the first movie. Yeah. That is a thing, yeah. But as we've seen, like, they can go back and be at the same place again and leave from there and come back no matter how much time changes. Yeah. But I guess only if it happened in the absolute time, you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) Like, it's very, like, oh, and it had to because then it did yeah yeah it's the grandfather paradox yeah that's all you need to know (laughs) yep it's fun um they go back they they briefly pop into the uh therapy session and do the scene we just talked about Mm -hmm. where they're like don't leave us but you're gonna so i mean i guess like go with your old self i thought the older princesses thing was gonna pay off somehow but it didn't we never see them they're just in that one bit beckoning to themselves yeah. to come out. Which yeah. is fine. And then it gives, I actually it thought gives it was... their fucking therapist a, yeah. <laughs> a breakdown because uh, uh, these yeah, women leave to go meet up with themselves and then George Washington is sitting on yeah. her couch Yeah, because they're something. all just very casually talking about time travel in front of her and she's just like, I think I need to like see you guys a couple times a week. Oh, so and like then she turns around and she's like, holy shit. Oh <laughs> yeah, because they're like, oh yeah, we were born in you know, 1408, 1410. yeah yeah allison you liked that joke yeah the one princess is like well there's a two-year difference in our ages yeah i i felt (laughs) like it was the specificity was very funny to me yeah Yeah. that tracks yeah (laughs) but yeah uh, like i kind of thought that we were going to find out like at the end of the movie that bill and ted were in disguise as the older princesses because they show up and they have like big hats and sunglasses and a lot of like layers and i was like I was like, oh, it might be kind of funny if they're like, if the princesses don't do this, then we can't do that or whatever. We have oh. to go get them. But like, I know, we'll dress up like the older princesses, you know, or whatever. But that See, didn't happen. I, I thought it was purely pragmatic because they needed to be older, so the fashion needed to be weird. Yeah. But then also, age makeup is tough. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Expensive. Especially on a budget. And yeah. so y- you already have that with Bill and Ted going to their future yeah. selves. Absolutely. No, I, yeah. I, so, I you're yeah. totally right. Yeah. I just Probably was like. Probably just them, yeah, like trying to cut a little bit out and doing but doing it in a way that makes uh some logical sense internally yeah 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 for for budgetary yeah. reasons and stuff. Yeah. yeah i was just i i just was like oh i wonder if this is going to be a thing mm-hmm. yeah it would have been a funny bit, bit but no i definitely didn't think that at all i thought it was just like eh, this yeah. older they just didn't spend any time on them they didn't spend any time on the princesses in this film <laughs> yeah and i'm just like eh, i wasn't that interested in them anyway so it's fine <laughs> like, yeah i mean they're sort of like on the outskirts of most of these things even bogus journey is kind like they're kind yeah. of more in that but it's still not yeah no yeah. the princesses always kind of get short shrift in these movies yeah. um i mean in the first one it's understandable because they are literally just more people in the phone booth mm-hmm. um but in the second and third movies like i i wouldn't mind more of them i also think they're interesting because like they literally are musical polymaths like they yeah they can play anything yeah they were you know Mm -hmm. they've been in the wild stallions like and that they adapted to you know several centuries in the future is impressive just like i would totally watch like a whole movie about like the princesses like not their whole history or whatever but sure i totally would not mind a the princesses movie a billy and thea movie like yeah and you can you know have alex winter and keanu pop in like they don't have to be the stars. They can just be in it. You know, mm-hmm. they can be the George Carlin kind of amount, you know, mm-hmm. pop in, in the beginning, pop in, in the end, give some sage advice, give some wisdom, tell us all to be excellent, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Bill yeah. and Ted, uh, they go to a few more years into the future than originally. Um, yeah. I think and it was five years after, five years after now. Doesn't yeah, matter. Five yeah, years. So yeah. 
Yeah, five years, maybe more. But yeah, so they, they find themselves in an excellent house. It's an excellent house. It's a mansion. It's gorgeous. And Bill and Ted are inside, and they're speaking with British accents, dude. Yeah. And they're like, "Why do you guys have British accents?" And uh, they say, "Like, <laughs> well, after we were knighted, we started summering and whatever, you yeah. know." And he's like, and I guess it just sort of rubbed off on us. <laughs> and they sort of like let, you know, they give them a copy of a CD. They have them listen to the song on headphones. They're like, this song is great. They give them a copy of the CD and they're like, go back and be most excellent dudes. And they're like, cool. And as they start to leave, sirs, Bill and Ted mm-hmm. uh, go into the like kitchen and they start to like take off their disguises. Bill doesn't really have this long, luxurious, like Robert Plant like hair. Um, he's got a wig on and he's got like, you know, he's balding now. Yeah. You know, Sir Ted is actually wearing a girdle because yeah. he's been hitting the sauce pretty hard. Yep. And as Bill and Ted are leaving. Because men and girdles are always funny. It's true. I yeah. can't think of a single one that's not. Mm-hmm. Is that Brennigan? That Brennigan. I'm sure there are more. But... Nope, that's it. Um, <laughs> just those two. Um, Send us your girdle pics. Do not. Maybe not yours, but ones no. that you have found. No. Cutting this out. <laughs> okay. Cutting it out. So, um, as they're leaving, as we mentioned, Dave Grohl shows up and he's like, "What are you guys doing in my house?" And then he calls the cops. And every time Bill and Ted Prime try to escape, Sirs Bill and Ted are blocking their exit because. They've already done this because of time travel rules, so they know what Bill and Ted Prime are going to try to do. The only thing that Bill and Ted Prime can do is something they can never remember, so they put buckets on their heads and just sort of wander (laughs) out of the house by falling off of a second-story balcony. And I laughed so hard. It's such a stupid but so perfectly Bill and Ted game. Yeah, it is an amazing strategy that pays off. It's so funny. (laughs) And, you know, Keanu, of course, has, like, Ted has a line where it's like, ah, dude, this is working out great. We should do things without knowing what we're doing more often. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I was also kind of watching it thinking about like budgetary constraints and what they could do conceptually because you can write anything, but you can't film anything, you know, especially when you're not Marvel, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what are they going to do? And then putting buckets on their heads is so funny. And it cost like a dollar, you know, or whatever. Like it cost whatever the price of two buckets is. I was going to say, less if they're borrowed. Yeah, it's just, like, such a good gag. I loved it so much. It was so good. Just watching two men with buckets on their heads fall off of a balcony is, like, it was just, really like, funny. so funny. Mm-hmm. Really I really was. enjoyed watching Ted's dad watch them fall <laughs> off of it. Because, yeah, his face was just like, what the heck? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what, uh, the, when the cops show up, it's Ted's dad and, you know, and the paddy wagon. And that's when the the, the, the robot tries to zap Bill and Ted. They dodge out uh, in the in the phone booth and the beam you know hits dad and the paddy wagon and sends them both to hell yeah and then what they end up finding themselves in jail oh yeah this is prison bill and ted yeah um yeah it's like gray and overcast and very foreboding and there's like kind of this new metal drumming happening and chanting sort of and yeah yeah, and they go like, in. Oh yeah, do you like our song? And they're like, it's not really a song. They keep saying, "Is it a song?" And <laughs> yeah. and Bill and Ted, who are super buff, yeah, fucking Jack, jacked in... ass prison and Bill and Ted. Yeah, they have pr- they have prison tattoos like uh, wild stallions, wild stallions, excellent. Yeah, I think excellent. Ted has excellent tattooed like on his chest, and uh, I think uh, Bill has wild stallions as like a belly rocker, like these yeah. big elaborate tattoos. Yeah, um, like I I really want to like pause that and just like look at. What's Ted, going on there? Ted kind of looks so like crazy. Zangief a little bit. 
Keanu yeah. Reeves. Like, yeah. it kind of yeah. does. It's great. Um, and all the other prisoners, like, when they're like, is it a song, though? And, like, they all go, yes! Yeah. Um, and they do that, like, twice or three times or something. And... Yeah, it turns into a riot. Yeah, and the robot shows up to kill them then, but prison bill and ted are like well they can't kill us because if they kill us then we die too Mm -hmm. so then they go over and they get all the prisoners to just yeah prison riot beat down the robot which i was like (laughs) jesus christ yeah there's like um robot vision yeah just just of like yeah Yeah. just of like looking up into stomping (laughs) yeah i was like wow wowie wowie wow yeah it's great it is. Um, uh, it's and then, yeah, funny. Bill and Ted in passing see the princesses and just go like, we're going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, is that you Are you two? guys in prison? And they were just like, yeah, no, get back in the booth. Yeah. Get back in the booth. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, then they are like, you know, we should go to the end. Yeah. Like the watch says. And so they go to meet up with geriatric Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, who, and so that's where all the old age makeup yeah. really comes in, which it looks really good, man. It does. And their performances are good. Really uh, so yeah, I liked their performances as old them. I mean, a lot of it is them in uh, beds, you know, laying there talking to their younger selves, but I liked, um, Alex Winter is kind of doing a really old voice like this, <laughs> yeah, which was fun. Uh, and you know, yeah, I like that. Um, whereas, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves is, he's kind of just doing a little bit slower a little quieter. Mm-hmm. And I, I also liked that. Like, yeah. I thought those were good because they were different and, yep. you know, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't just them doing, oh, Sonny. Like, yeah. oh, you know, it was good. They give them a, um, like, a flash drive that says Preston Logan MT40 whatever, whatever it is, the mile marker thing. Yeah, 46. Yeah, and they're like, yes, this is it. You know, like, we got it. And they thank them. And it's it's really sweet. And then they have, like, a, you know like reconciling with themselves yeah which is just kind of like you know i'm sorry for you know stuff i put you through and it's like no man like you were always there for me yeah um and there's a thing that they set up a little bit earlier where um bill tells ted you know uh, alex winter tells keanu reeves like you're always so weird when you you know interact with yourself and Mm -hmm. he's like you know he's like yeah i should work on that you know and so then uh keanu talking to like old keanu is like it's like, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, whenever, like, I ran into you that uh, I was really weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, like, that I really was, liked that. Yeah, he's like, that was my fault, you know. It was sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. And, like, I like that Ted would be like, yeah, Bill, you're really open with yourself, though. And then he was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. And they had, like, an emotional hug. Like, they were yeah. two yeah. separate people. <laughs> yeah. I, it was really nice. Which I guess that kind of is, you know spanning a gap of both being self-acceptance and then also being emblematic of that sort of seeking validation from older generations kind of so then in the courtyard of this like home or whatever they encounter the robot who's like you know oh yeah i have to kill you and they're like but we have the thing and they're like oh well then i need to tell you about something (laughs) the robot's like Mistakes were made. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I killed your daughters and their friends, and I sent them all to hell. And they're like, you know, we'll zap us and we'll go, you know, rescue them. Yeah. And he's like, I can't because you have the song. So they snap the flash drive in half, which is like got to be so hard to do. Well, yes. So also, their family has always been their number one priority. Yeah. When they first meet themselves in the bar and they're like, hey, you know, you're assholes because the princess left you. They immediately go back to talk to them. Yeah. Because they want to fix that. 
And so then with this, like, yeah, like they're on this quest and this whole thing has their entire lives have been about like, you know, this song and this unity. Their destiny. But as soon as their kids are in danger. Yeah. They throw all that out the window to go save them. Yeah. So like, yeah, their family has always been like number one priority over anything else, even like. The you fate know. of the universe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the robot's like, oh no, I messed up. Like, now the song is ruined because of me, and I should just self-terminate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unlike Terminator, because it is very, made very clear in T2 that he cannot self-terminate. Yeah. Um, it also defies the laws of robotics, doesn't it? It definitely does. Oh, except that he de- defies the first law of robotics because he's a killer robot. Yeah. <laughs> Because the first law yeah. of robotics is not to damage humans. Yeah. Yeah, The they grab the robot as the robot oh. blasts itself, and they all go to hell, and... If they had done the uh, English thing, they would have definitely taken Balzac, or at least visited him. Here's the thing. I mean, like, Bill and Ted as characters, yes, being written, uh, yeah. yeah, probably would have at least heard of Balzac for comedy purposes, yeah. but... That, that was I was never taught any Balzac no. in school at all. I only ever I only know of him funny from name. comedy. Yeah. yeah. So they all go to hell, um, which I love that Bill and Ted keep commenting on how weird it is that a robot can go to hell. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. And in my head, I'm going, but didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't the van go to hell? Yeah. <laughs> the van's not even sentient, as far as I know. Yeah, but the, ba- but the van's a cop. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they, they get there, they bump into two demons who are played by the writers. Yeah. Um, who have appeared in all the Bill and Ted's. Yeah. In little tiny roles. Um, and they're Usually always, with very... They're um, always, yeah, I think they're always credited as, like, ugly whatever and stupid whatever. Yeah. So I know for sure in Bogus Journey, they're two of the guys at the seance, and every other person at the seance is credited as, like, seance attendee or seance member, and mm-hmm. then it's ugly seance member, stupid seance member. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being like... Wow, that's harsh. And then I was like, oh, it's them. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's the writers. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they bump into two demons uh, and they're like, oh yeah, your daughters and their friends are that away dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all, you know, okay, they reconnect and whatever. And they're like, okay, well, yeah. we're going to talk to our pal Death. like, dads. Yeah, dads, you're here. <laughs> um, Here's your band. They're most excellent. They are most excellent. Or something. Um, to yeah. That effect. Yeah. And yeah. so they're like, we're going to go talk to our old pal, Death. And then we finally, finally, I was waiting this whole movie for William Sadler, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were saying you were waiting for him. I was waiting for a very, what felt like a very long time for them to do the air guitar. Yeah. yeah. The first time they do it is uh, in the future going to the past. Yeah. They finally yeah. do it. And yeah. I was like, yay. Very like, that. quickly, like, yeah. <laughs> they were yeah. just like, okay, get this in here. But yeah, there's probably the least amount of air guitar per minute or whatever in this it, compared yeah. to any of the other ones. Because like, I think they only do it like three or four times. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was also when they did it I was like, "Yay!" Yeah. Like I I didn't realize they hadn't done it yet until they did it. And oh, I was like, "Oh, yay!" It was glaringly yeah. obvious to me and I was like really Thank waiting you. where I'm like, "How long am I going to be waiting for them to do this?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Death is playing hopscotch with himself. Yeah. And he is cheating. Yep. Yeah. Um and they go in and, you know, he doesn't want to talk to them, and he storms into his bungalow, which is very cool. Yeah. So sassy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Sadler's the best, dude. <laughs> um, and then they go in and, you know, they convince him to you know, to join the band and to, you know, free them all from hell. And, you know, they send in Billy and Thea, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that really convince him because they're talking about all his solo albums and what they liked on them and stuff. They were yeah. so sweet. And I, as a musician, I this appealed to me very much, like yeah. where people are like, Oh, that outro on that song is really good. It's like, oh, yeah, you thought so? Like, I'm very proud of that and whatever. Yeah. 
yeah, whenever you are trying to suck up to a mu- musician, it helps to be specific. Yeah, because we're ve- we're all very insecure about everything we've ever done, as far as I have learned from knowing musicians. Well, and probably that you're <laughs> overanalyzing every single bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do a D after a C. Like, I've, I've done that in so many songs. Yep. And it's like, people are fine with it, dude. Calm down. Yeah. But not me. I'm like, no, no, no. I've already played this chord. I mm-hmm. must never play this chord again. Yeah, that's how people were giving their Ramones shit. Because yeah. they could barely play their instruments. No, <laughs> yeah. they just played very simple arrangements. Sure. They could play very well. Yeah. I can't play yeah. I can't play guitar as good as Johnny. Okay. And that's all downstroke, and it seems like the easiest thing in the world, and I can't do it. And he did it for his entire fucking career. Mm-hmm. That dude must have had, like, a forearm that you could, like, bounce bullets off of. Yeah. Those tendons must just be, like, fucking steel bridge cables. Yeah. Well, training. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, guitar player as a person he kind of stinks <laughs> yeah, he was well, also a Republican there's, uh, there's no fix in that uh, no J- Joey Joey wrote the song the KKK took my baby away about when his girlfriend left him for Johnny <laughs> <laughs> that is true and it is hilarious and my favorite thing is that Johnny just played that song and was like yeah it's about me whatever <laughs> yeah fucking great yeah well that's the other thing about me knowing musicians from you having musician friends and being a musician is the amount of time that y'all write songs about each other because you get pissed off (laughs) yeah uh you know multiple guest brian bierman Mm -hmm. and i one time spent a day recording stuff with multiple guest bill guinan and we got real mad so we covered a Beatles song and made it to be about how we hate Bill. <laughs> yeah. And then like two years later, I played it for him and he liked it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, we were really mad at you. Remember when we recorded that thing? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, we're really pissed because like this that happened. You remember? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's true. And then I, we, I was like, so we wrote this. And he's like, this is a Beatles cover? And I was like, yeah. He goes, I like this. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's a couple songs about Brian. Yeah, I was in another band um, with some friends, and um, Bierman got mad because of internal politics and things, and he quit. And then when he came back, uh, they had written a song called Bierman Quit the Band. Yeah. Um, And Bierman's like, I love this song. And then Bierman wrote a key part for it that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because he's a good sport. Yeah, so... Um, which is how we're still friends, I'm sure. Uh, who can stand me, really? So, yeah, the nature of musicians, you guys. This is a lot like what it looks like. Yeah. It's good. There's a lot of good-natured ribbing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, I've just been around to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess this is kind of it. They, you know... Uh, I want one detail. When, when they're arguing with Death, and he's like, I was the best part of the whole band, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Death, you were playing 40-minute bass solos. And he's like, those were the best parts <laughs> of the show. Like... Yeah. It was so funny to me because it is a very like it's a very real musician argument. Yeah, yeah I really laughed at that. Yeah, that and yeah, they're all them. The three of them like jamming, kind of vibing together in the same scene made me really happy. Yeah, the finale is just they all they get together and like you know because it's a Bill and Ted movie and it's silly. There's a guitar center truck broken down uh, yeah. in this traffic jam, so that's got. They the... fly out of hell in the SWAT car. Yeah, that's know, true. Which yeah. was really, really funny to me. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's right. Everybody's like the robots in. asking Death about rocking and stuff, and Death's very dismissive. Yeah, there's the yeah. robot is like fanboying out to yeah. Death because I guess technically they're both functionally immortal. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> they're both pale. 
actually, yeah, when I first saw the robot, I'm like, is that William Sadler? No, yeah, I not. actually was like, because yeah. like the, the, so the way the robots I. designed, like the, the I guess you call it like a helmet, like kind of yeah. obscures his face enough where yeah. I was like, ooh, that could be anybody under there. Yeah. And yeah. so I spent a good chunk of the movie just trying to figure out who it was and I couldn't get a beat on it. And I yeah. asked Allison and she looked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, all of my notes are literally death robot. Like, because I was like, okay, yeah. so death is just going to be revealed to be this robot at some point. I guess death is a robot now? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I just thought it was going to be a thing where, like, we don't actually interact with death as a character in it, mm-hmm. but they were going to have William Sadler play the robot. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of funny. Like, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, everybody is who they are yeah, the entire time. Yeah, no, it's there's good. There's no, no, uh, no. There's there's no bogus journey, fake robots, or anything like that. You know? Yeah, no. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a there's an empty like flatbed truck, you know, kind of pulls like a UV, parks its trailer like lengthwise across the highway, yeah, so they can use the stage. Yep. Yeah, and they empty out this guitar center truck that luckily just has everything they would need. It's got yeah. the right <laughs> number of amps and chords, and you know, because it's Bill and Ted, it's really fun. Yeah. And they start playing the song, and this is, as we mentioned at the beginning, that they realize that they have to get everybody at all points in all times and realities playing together, and that's the only way this will yeah. work. It's a lot like the Pat Friend 5. It is like the was, Pat Friend 5. Which um, uh, was... Friend of the show and potential future guest. We were going to have yeah. him on. I was talking about it with him in January, and then COVID yeah, happened, happened, so yeah. But we have a friend, Pat Friend. That's his real name. Yep. He had a band that he was in that was the Pat Friend Five that never had five members. That's the only That's rule. That's the only rule of the Pat Friend Five. five. <laughs> and uh, they used to That's perform hilarious. at uh, a, like... Music, a festival thing yeah, that friends thing. of ours would put on, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, and a big part of that was, like, they would ask people to bring extra instruments and stuff, which I believe you, yep. at one point, like, you know... I brought a bunch of xylophones. Them, yeah, lent them xylophones. And, like, they would try to get as many people as possible playing music together yep. in, like, this procession to the stage and then would play very, this like, long, jazzy... open-ended, jazzy jam thing that usually had a story. Um, yeah. One time I played uh, George Washington. Yes. They had the echo turned up really high, so I could not tell what you were saying. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not prepared for the echo amount. No. Um, so I did not adjust for it. Yeah. And my part was very small. Sure. So I didn't really get a chance to, like, calibrate. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. if I could do it again, I would have been like, all right, let me slow down the way I'm speaking. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, Um. so that's... Because you came down and we're like, how was that? I'm like, I couldn't tell a single thing that you said. I'm so sorry. That is probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but so I, I got uh, memories from that yep. where, you know, it was all very, um, like, inclusionary. And then also some of the things that uh, Pat Friend would do would be, yeah, like travel through time and yep. shit like that because he's that kind of a dude. Yep. So this was all very um, thematically familiar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not super fun. It, like... it really was. <laughs> Pat Friend is a really, really unique and creative dude. Um, yeah. I was like, that's what I was like, oh, it was really, we started talking about having on the show and I was like, oh, I can't wait for this. This is, no matter what the conversation is or what movie it is, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun times. If anybody, if, if anybody was going to write a song that might unite the world, it's probably Pat Friend. Yeah. Uh, they have a song called Electric Cheeseburger, which I feel like almost did it. Yeah. They almost united all the world with electric cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> Plug it in, take a bite. Yeah. Plug it in, take a bite. Electric, electric cheeseburger. cheeseburger. I think that one's the one to rule them all. It's a good so. song, dude. Uh, man. Um, 
Those who rock indeed. Indeed. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. They, they play the song. People from all over time and space are all... I mean, we don't we don't actually see any, like, station aliens. I really thought we were going to cut to Mars or something. Yeah, nah. Um, but, but yeah, everybody plays, and it's, you know, it works. Um, yep. Throughout the movie, we're seeing this, like, hologram 3D thing in the future of uh, the Earth and concentric rings of, like, time and reality yeah. around it. And they're all kind of in flux at various points. And now they're, they all link up and they're all harmonized. And yep. it's great. Yep. Um, and then specifically at 717, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the Billy and Thea, the daughters, like, have their dads put guitars on and plug in. And then they, you know, start playing... Yeah. sweet solos and Jimi hendrix looks over and is like hell yeah, yeah. And like and they're like hell yeah Jimmy. like they don't say that but they're looking back yeah. and forth at each other and yeah. I, that was like amazing to me yeah um yeah i love yeah. that they do and like literally it pans up and it shows the planets in harmony mm-hmm. yeah. um and the the daughters who had opened the movie with narration end it by going yeah and it worked Mm-hmm. And that's how the movie ends. And I was like, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you uh, stay through the credits and see the after credits uh, scene? I did not because I finished it at like three this morning. Ugh. So I definitely fell to sleep. But I did not know there was an after credit scene. There is an after credits scene. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's it's old, old, you know, geriatric Bill and Ted and they're laying in bed. And I think Bill says, you know, Ted, are you dead, dude? And he, you know, Ted goes, no, are you? He's like, no. And then he goes, I think there's one more thing we have to do. And they get up and they plug in guitars and they turn on their amplifiers. And then they just like jam and shred together for like a minute. And it's adorable. Yeah. I'm going to need to go and watch that. And then Bill's like, I I need to sit down. Yeah. And then Ted's Ted's like, that was fun. And then they both sit on their amplifiers and it cuts to black. And they're just like, nurse. They're like, nurse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, I love that. That was really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the whole movie. Yeah. Um, It was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. I feel like, I don't know, like, as you were saying, Maybe they could do spinoffs of the other ones, but I think they should leave Bill and Ted where it is. Yeah, I, think, I yeah. feel like now with that after credit scene as well, I'm like, oh, yeah, they should just leave this be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can. I'm sure, you know, if they come up with a, a good enough idea, I wouldn't be mad that they did another one, you know? It's time travel. You can kind of go wherever, I feel like. Right. But, like, I think this is a great, like, finale, you know, to their story. Have we done other time travel movies? I don't believe so. Nope, I didn't see anything time travel okay. in our back catalog. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, this is definitely not the first time travel movie we've watched, but it's probably the first time travel movie. It is movie the first time travel movie I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, all right, I'll go I'll go first. I, I think this is, this is a great watch. I don't, I won't be able to, like, just watch it and, like, rewatch it and enjoy it the same way that I love uh, Excellent Adventure. But I would say this is about, for me, about on the same level as Bogus Journey, which is very close um, in my esteem to Excellent Adventure. I think this movie is a lot more poignant, you know? It's, yeah, it's it, very much trying to say something in a way that yeah. um, the other earlier ones I don't think were as literal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. were maybe undercurrents of some of these themes, which is why this feels rewarding. Yeah. But this is kind of where we're paying off some of these things that weren't as explicitly addressed earlier. Yeah, and in the early um, Bill and Ted's, you know, like they're literally just kind of 
write a song that, that saves the world or whatever, and they are inherently optimistic by their very nature. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're not cynical people. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas in this, like, the end point is that the song doesn't matter. It's, you know, the fact that everybody was playing it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, you know, optimistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Pretty <it> optimistic. <laughs> well, I mean, even the fact that, like, yeah, like, they really have never given up on yeah. this regardless of how, how difficult it was you yeah. know for them at any point like and or how much discouragement they got from like you know Ted's dad yeah. or other people in their lives that were maybe like you know like even the the princesses were sort of getting a little bit tired of it with the you know taking them to the therapy and stuff like that of just like I think they just didn't like therapy but no i mean just like where it's like you know you've been doing this for so long and yeah. and yeah. yeah, I think the princess's angle is that, like, they they feel bad for their husbands, you know, yeah. just hammering away at this thing that doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. Yeah. But, you know, they're not average dudes with a shitty garage band that's not going to take off. They're, yeah. you know, they're time travelers who are going to save the world. Yeah, and so, I mean, help. like, yeah, it has a little bit of credence to your argument there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought it was really sweet. And, yeah, we talked about, like, thematically it is, you know, about acceptance. And I think in a very real way it's about, like, the writers going from being the generation that, like, you know, the the, 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 the current generation that could affect change. Now they're parents. Yeah. You know? So, there, you know, that, that that makes sense that Bill and Ted's, you know, kids are the ones who now have affected that change. Like, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's very good. I liked it. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's a great watch. Um, I wouldn't put it as, like I said, as highly as uh, Excellent Adventure, but I, I it's, it's definitely worth watching if you are a fan of the previous Bills and Ted's, uh, for sure. I will also say it's a great watch. Um, I mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast that I feel like for these sorts of sequels, a lot of things are working against you with time and culture shifts and, you know, actors aging and, you know, even like some of the writing staff age or even also just the fact that they have the same writers throughout the whole series is rare. Usually you lose people um, or things get handed off because the... uh, production company says so and yeah so, if something is popular yeah. enough you know a studio yeah. is like well we own it and if we don't like your take then we're gonna do a thing it's it's kind of amazing right. that they've managed to yeah. stick together through yeah. this yeah. which actually in the um in the uh, uh bonus stuff yeah in the comic-con interview that we watched um they were talking about bogus journey and we're like yeah, they wanted us to do this. We wanted to do that. The way we got our way was we talked to uh, Keanu Reeves and yeah, uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, Alex Winter and they were it. both much more on board with our, you know, that idea. Right, because like that's how you do that is apply pressure in the right places. Yeah, smart. To get your creative ideas going and work with you know good people who are yeah. like, hey, let's take chances. Yeah. So you know. It was, yeah, like a little underhanded, but very much in the way that, like, nah. those are the rules of Hollywood. It's That's not how underhanded. That, it's yeah. playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, frequently when you get uh, transitions in the writer team, unless you get people that, like, are big fans of the older stuff and, you know, and, and understand the tone in a way that, like, they can That's match more, it. That's the more important part. Yeah, right. the, matching the tone. Because right. just Which, being a fan of something 
You know. Oh yeah, doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to do well. Nope, see and The Simpsons. Being a good writer but not understanding the original right. uh vision is not going to give yeah. you good results. You yeah, need to be see able to see most do... comic book movies. Yeah, it was just really impressive how they were able to overcome a lot of this stuff and deliver something that I think yeah. works very well with Bill and Ted as a whole concept. So yes, it is a great watch. Uh, I think it is enjoyable and it's it, it strikes a good tone. There are a lot of great little moments. People are acting very well. It all feels... Cohesive? It, yeah, like it fits together and that it's good. So yeah. yes. Um, speaking of the acting, very briefly, I read that uh, Alex Winter, who hasn't acted in anything long form mm. in a long, long time. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's been directing. Yeah, he's a direct. He, yeah. he, he's been doing um, uh, some documentaries yes. and stuff recently. Uh-huh. Um, he went and took acting lessons uh, to figure out how to get back into like oh, the, nice. the headspace. I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely somebody that's you know cares about what they're doing yeah. and uh, you know is is trying to pay attention to all that that's great well i've said like 80 times in the movie that i (laughs) throughout this that i liked it so it's gonna be a great watch for me (laughs) um i feel like it might be a little bit above bogus journey for me but that's only because i think this was just overall a wholesome ending um i feel like it kind of all pieced together and i was like oh this was a really good movie there was a lot of good detail like mentioning that he went back to acting school was pretty it speaks to somebody's character and um passion for what they want to be doing correctly but i think everybody on stat like everybody was cast well i feel like bridgie lundy Payne and samara weaving yes yeah, samara weaving they were both excellent i feel like they could probably go on to have pretty good careers on their own and i think they were cast well and i don't know i think everything about it was really good the jokes were really funny i feel like it was lighthearted, and that's that's what i look for in a movie <laughs> most of the time yeah mm-hmm. samara weaving's good i mean she's got a you know so far has a good little career already carved out yeah what... yeah i feel like i've seen her face in some other show well so she was in ready or not which could have been better yeah um... i i like some of what that movie did but uh a lot of people were like, it's great. And I was like, it's, I just enjoyed it. Okay. But I didn't think it was that great. Yeah. Um, that was like, um, not to say she's not good in it. I just thought as a, as an execution of the whole, it was like, eh. yeah. Uh, yeah. Ready or not is uh rich white people play a murderous game of hide and seek with, uh, the newest addition to their family. Yeah. She, she's married oh. into it. Yeah. Okay. I remember seeing the preview for this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's good stuff in it. It's got a goat pit, which is dope. <laughs> um, yeah. um she was in the babysitter which was yeah i was much more of a fan of that yeah it was okay yeah i know i liked it more than you did i know yeah, it's okay it, i thought it was very good yeah, it was okay i didn't see the sequel though you watched that without me that was okay too <laughs> i don't know if i believe you or not anywho's um yeah what else she's been in a bunch of yeah, things she's got, recently she's, she's yeah. working pretty steadily yeah but I think it was a good movie. Yeah, no uh-huh. complaints. No complaints. Okay. Yeah, I might I might watch Bogus Journey a little more often just because I need my William Sadler fix, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're always happy to see Sadler. Change his name to Happyler. <laughs> Gladler. That's a, there you go. William Gladler. There you go. That, yeah. It's a terrible joke. I'm sorry I made it, Mr. Sadler. <laughs> if you'd like to come on the podcast, please do. Well, thank you, Gabby, for uh, watching this movie until three in the morning and then getting up early to go grocery shopping before you had to record this. 
totally gonna take a nap after this but no <laughs> problem <laughs> thank you for having me on the podcast again i enjoyed it our pleasure be excellent to each other and party on and if you would like to contact us you can do so uh, by emailing us at right hate watch great watch that's w-r-i-t-e-h-w-g-w at gmail.com or you can follow us on twitter and instagram at h-w-g-w podcast on either of those platforms and uh, you can get us every other wednesday that's every, every other, other wednesday. wednesday air guitar <laughs> at moviejohn.com where i think pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts uh gabby anything you want uh, to plug uh, you want to pe- send people to your social media or uh anything sure if they're that interested in my life (laughs) my life (laughs) yeah i was like you want to check out my instagram where i'm doing absolutely nothing uh it's gr frankenstein at instagram but other than that no (laughs) (laughs) other than that leave me alone (laughs) yep you don't need to know my life (laughs) (laughs) okay uh well thanks again of course all right talk soon having me All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Station. Bye. (laughs) One of the, um, I, because I did violin for years and could read music. Yeah. But a lot of the people that I know that play music now are very self-taught. Like, you still can't, right? Nope. Yeah. I know what the things are. Yeah. Like, if I look at it long enough, I can I can do the, every yeah. good boy deserves, oh, that's fudge. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fudge sharp. <laughs> okay. Uh, fudge. I learned it as every good boy does fine, but yes. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fat, and I'm a very good boy. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh-